Listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for an episode on Anniversary Month, our second week as we go through chronologically from newest to oldest this time around. And we're here to talk about a movie that I am so very excited to talk about because this is a movie that I feel hasn't been talked about in 20 years since (laughs) it was released. The 2001 Sleeper hit. It's going to be a hit one day. Uh, Evolution, <laughs> starring David Duchovny, Orlando Jones, Julianne Moore, Sean William Scott, Ted Levine, Ethan Suppley. So many people. Dan Aykroyd's in it. Gregory Itzen's in it. Sarah Silverman's in it. You name it, there's a star in here. Ty Burrell's first ever movie. And this is a movie that, again, seriously, it is forgotten about. No one knows this movie. No one talks about this movie. But this is one of those movies that I have always loved. I've just quoted to death and no one gets it. And we are finally here to to bring that into the the mainstream media because that's what we do here on the Oz Network. We bring these films back into it. And I am I'm intrigued about how this episode is going to go today. Uh, my name is Ben, United States Geological Survey. This is my secretary, Colin Hilding. And cells are bad. My uncle lives in a cell. It's 10 foot by 12, and he has to read the same boring old magazine every day. The end. <laughs> and my name is Colin, and beneath this common sexy exterior beats the heart of a true podcaster. Great googly moogly, Colin. Um, <laughs> I, I thought you were going to go with that one. I was. I say that one, but uh, there's a quote. Great googly moogly. I always used to say that back in my childhood. Um This movie is... I'm going to start off by saying this movie is dumb. This is such a stupid movie. It's silly. It it makes no sense. There's so many things wrong with this in terms of, like, if you want to have a coherent plot. There are characters in this movie that make no sense. It just... It's it's ridiculously dumb, but I don't give a shit. I fucking love this movie. (laughs) This is one of those movies that I know we can pick holes in it as big as the Grand Canyon, but this is just ridiculously dumb. The cast look like they're having fun. They all look like they're on the the edge of their seat about to crack up laughing. Uh, I just think this would have been a fun movie to be on the set on, and I love this movie, Colin. Go ahead, tell me you hate this movie. It's not as good as you thought Uh, it was, all this kind of stuff. (laughs) Well, I'll be honest. It's it's not as good as I remembered. I will be honest about that, but it's not bad. I mean, this is a forgotten movie sort of for a reason. Um... (laughs) It's 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 not Ghostbusters. Let's just be upfront and honest about sure? that. It's not Ghostbusters. <laughs> it tried, but it's not Ghostbusters. Uh, I mean, I said it before. I saw this movie when it first came out. I've seen it several times. I used to have it on VHS. Uh, I remembered like at least half of what was in this movie. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this part. Oh yeah, this is the part where this comes up. But there is something about it that that doesn't quite hold up as well as I would have hoped. Um, I, some of the humor, <laughs> a little bit dated. Uh, I think the biggest problem for me is that this is where I'm going to disagree with you about uh, the cast having fun. I think everybody but David Duchovny looks like they're having fun. Uh, I, I, I'm not a David Duchovny hater, but he he has a very dry sense of humor that um, I don't think was quite right for this movie. And his character seems to be all over the place. Uh, there's definitely a lack of chemistry between him and Julianne Moore. 
there is an incredible amount of chemistry between him and Orlando Jones, which is oh, matters yeah. because this movie should be remembered for no other reason than Orlando Jones. So oh. for that, I'm okay with it. It's Orlando Jones. He's a quote machine. I don't think there's a thing he says mm. in this movie that isn't hilarious. I mean, I'm going to disagree with you complete with David Duchovny. That's the joy of David Duchovny. It's his kind of dry humor that I, I think that if you like, you get, I mean, I, I love him in Californication. Obviously I loved him in the X-Files, completely different character, but I, 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 I think he's having fun. I think that to me, it's almost like David Duchovny didn't read the script and he just, he's making everything up as it goes along. And that's what I kind of like about it. That, and that's the silly nature of this film. Like, I definitely get what you're saying. His, his character makes no sense. But to me, it's just like David Duchovny's gone, oh, evolution, I'm going to hang out with my mate Orlando Jones. Sure, I'll just flub the lines every single time and make it up. Sure, what? who gives a shit? And that's to me what I love about him. And like, how can you not like David Duchovny? How, what is it about him that you don't like? It's... Uh, I can't even necessarily say I don't like David Duchovny. It's just I've never really seen him in anything. This is the movie that I liked him best in. I'll just say that. <laughs> I'm not an X-Files fan. I have nothing against the X-Files. Just I've tried for how long has that show been around now? 25 years. I've tried for 25 years with so many people telling me it's like the greatest show ever. Watched numerous episodes. And it's just not something that I could ever get into. Uh, I did really enjoy the first X-Files movie more than the TV show. Uh, but I mean, other than that, I mean, what I saw of Californication, yeah, he's, he's good for that. He's good. In, he's very one dimensional. That one dimension works for him and his fan base. Um, I think my biggest issue with him in this movie is just how his character goes from one guy to a different guy. It's like they had two separate characters and the first character was supposed to die halfway through the movie and the second character replaced him. And they just said, no, you're one guy. And his, his sense of humor definitely fits one of those guys. It does not fit the guy who's mooning and, and grabbing his balls every five minutes. I would completely agree with that. To me, it's like they've gotten Fox Mulder and Hank Moody and try to make it the one character and it doesn't work. Um, because like, I think... I think what works about David Duchovny in something like Californication is, is he's kind of just playing himself. Like if you kind of see him in interviews and things like that, that's just kind of what David Duchovny's like. And I also think that given the fact that David Duchovny has a history of sex addiction, Hank Moody was a perfect character for him in Californication. Again, playing himself. He didn't have to put on any acting there. And oh, here, I'm starting to think he was playing himself in parts of this movie too, because yeah, that also does not make sense with the character. <laughs> but, but I mean, that's where I think it is like it's because I can't imagine they didn't get him for this movie because of the X-Files. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. like you think of David Duchovny, for the most part, you're going to think of Fox, Mulder and Aliens, you know, and, and that's that's where I think they've kind of got it. And it's interesting to read with this movie that this movie did start off as a serious movie. This was not meant to be a comedy. This was meant to be an actual serious movie. But then kind of things changed around. They got Ivan Reitman on board and then, you know, David Duchovny came on board and kind of things got changed. So... Yeah, it's, it's kind of that fine line, and I, I definitely agree with you. Like, his character is weird, and it's all over the place, but I, I, I just can enjoy it, because I love me some David Duchovny. I really, like, I forget how much I love this man, because it's been a long time since I've watched The X-Files. Uh, but I, I love him. Like, I mean, you know, his cameo in Zoolander in the same year is one of the funniest things. I mean, even in Beethoven, do you remember his evil turn in Beethoven? I think that was even pre-X-Files from memory. Oh, but, um, yeah, that was him in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but... um. Oh, I don't know. I, I love him. I, I love me some uh, some David Duchovny. But Orlando Jones steals this movie. I mean, what a man. This is, what, our third oh. movie now we've covered with him, is it? Or our fourth? Is it a fourth or third? I feel it's our third. Uh, well, we Replacements did. Replacements and Bedazzled. Yeah, so this would be the third. We've almost covered his whole filmography we at have. this point. <laughs> what he's known for, the, the trio of Orlando Jones yeah. movies. Um, I think but, if I mean, we do The Time Machine, which is, like, my guilty pleasure, then we'll 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 – Put a cap on Orlando Jones' career. 
he just like you talk about a weird character. I mean, every character's weird in this movie. There's not like a solid character. Maybe the the governor, perhaps I don't know, uh, yeah. the general. <laughs> but um, it's just like you questionable things about characters. There's a lot to talk about. Orlando Jones and his uh, position yeah. as a teacher at this school. <laughs> like, is he a pedophile? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand this. And then Sean William Scott. I mean, this is peak Sean William Scott. I mean, when I say peak Sean William mm. Scott, it lasted a good couple of years and then he's gone back into hiding with uh, Ryan Felipe and those sort of people. But, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm an American Pie fan. I think most people of our age were. Uh, Dude, where's my car? I mean, who doesn't like a bit of that with him and Ashton? Kutcher, uh, I mean, he's a funny guy and he's, he's playing himself really again. Sean William Scott mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of range. This is what he's got. <laughs> I will say that Julianne Moore is ridiculously wasted in this. What is the point of Julianne yeah. Moore? I don't not understand her in this movie. And I love Julianne Moore, so I don't understand mm. that. But, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good cast. Even sort of some of the side people were mentioning. Obviously, as 24 fans coming soon to the uh, Oz Network, Gregory Itson uh, in this movie, mm-hmm. which I think I remember when he was in 24. I'm like, wait, isn't he from Evolution? Dan Aykroyd, obviously uh, Ivan Reitman. I'm sure that wasn't a stretch to get him in this movie. Uh, Ty Burrell's first ever movie role. So there's a little uh, fun yeah. fact. Ted Levine as well. Uh, a couple of Silence of the Lance connections here with Julianne Moore and uh, mm-hmm. and Ted Levine. And then random appearances from someone like Sarah Silverman just randomly being in this movie. And obviously Taking Ethan, her shirt off. Yeah. Ethan Supley, who I, I guess really is not a household name, but he's kind of made a bit of a name for himself recently as that guy from uh, Remember the Titans and My Name is Earl yeah. who lost a lot of weight and now is buff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Look, him, him and Jonah Hill are really uh, g- giving a good reputation to fat guys turning their life around. That's that's why I lost weight. It's because of them. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just want to be more like Ethan Supley and Jonah Hill. <laughs> but I think also, though, too, this is an Ivan Reitman film. And, I mean, yeah. we very nearly did this as part of Ghostbusters month to kind of make it an even four. And, and it was it was tricky because really wanted to do Rat Race. Uh, and I'm kind of, you know, sad that we didn't, but, you know, we kind of did it this way and did it, um, you know, having this as part of anniversary month. But I'll, I'll just say this right now, because, I mean, I'll talk about this more when we do the Ghostbusters films, that I've literally seen Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 once. I, both times, was like, yeah, fine, good, you know. I maybe wasn't as over-the-toply obsessed as I was as most people seemingly are with Ghostbusters. It's been a long time since I've seen them, so I'd like to watch them again. Clearly we will, coming soon to the Oz Network. Um, so to me, I kind of put this in a different bubble where I'm not going to compare this as much to Ghostbusters films as obviously you will and other people will. And I'm going to say the ridiculous thing, which people will shut me down, Colin might hang up on me, but I like this better than Ghostbusters. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, hang up on me right now, so, Colin. <laughs> I'm not hanging up, but I'm sure a lot of other people just deleted this We episode. lost Colin. <laughs> uh, not Colin, sorry, Cable, you're Colin. We lost Cable, if he's listening. Yeah. Uh, I will say one thing. Um, I remember when this came out, being excited. Uh, when I first saw the trailer, I didn't immediately think Ghostbusters until I saw Ivan Reitman's name. Because I was thinking more Men in Black. Uh, Men in Black was probably the reason why they thought to make a movie like this. You know, Ivan Reitman's involvement definitely uh, drew a lot of comparisons to Ghostbusters. There are moments in this movie where I feel like that lifted straight out of Ghostbusters. The, the way that the opening, not the opening sequence itself, you know, with a blow-up doll, but the way that the opening sequence is shot and just sort of thrown right in there feels very much like an opening sequence of Ghostbusters. Orlando Jones' character is just uh, Bill Murray from Ghostbusters. Uh, the courtroom scene, there's definitely some similarities. 
But outside of that, like considering I look back on this and even said to you, we should do this as part of Ghostbusters month. And when you look online, everybody says, oh, it's just like Ghostbusters, but just not as good. Uh, I found myself seeing more of an individual identity in this movie and less Ghostbusters than I remember, uh, which is nice because, you know, if, if I had just gone into this as I always did in the past, being like, oh, yeah, this was like Ghostbusters 3 without the ghosts, um, I might have walked out even more disappointed when I started picking apart all the plot holes and everything. Uh, but I feel like this is its own thing. There, there's the seeds of Ghostbusters only because no matter what you get Ivan Reitman doing, if he's doing a movie that's a science fiction comedy, there's going to be elements of Ghostbusters in there. You get him doing you know, a crime drama, it's not going to feel like Ghostbusters. But there's enough similarities here that no matter what he did, there were going to be those comparisons. And this is, of course, the second Ivan Reitman film. We did Kindergarten Cop as well. And obviously, we will be doing Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Uh, I mean, look, I'm down for further Ivan Reitman films. Six Days, Seven Nights, love that movie. Dave, love that movie. Oh, Father's draft Day. Day. Well, draft Day. Forgettable Father's Day. Well, draft day, the, the, the oh. day month. <laughs> yeah, day let's do day month. month. <laughs> Ivan Reitman's day month. <laughs> but even no strings attached. Uh, I mean, I know you're going to roll your eyes at that one, but that was the <laughs> that was an Natalie Portman one. Yeah, it was. What was the other one? The Mila Kunis one. Uh, Friends with Benefits. That was the same movie, just with mm, different yeah. actors. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's plenty that we and can do with that. We're doing Canadian. Space Jam. He produced Space Jam, so. Canadian. I mean, his first film, Meatballs, is really one of the first commercially successful Canadian movies of all time. So possibility of us even doing that at some point in the future. There we go. Ivan Reitman. What a man. Um, but yeah, I mean, my history with this movie, you talked about seeing this. I, I don't think I saw this until like a few years after it came out. I think this was randomly given to me as a DVD by my nan or something like that. And I, I'd seen trailers for it. I've kind of, you know, wanted to see it. But as soon as I got it, I loved it and just kept watching it. I would, I would watch this. It would just be always the throw it on in the background movie and everything. And I, there was just so many things about this movie that I used to quote as I keep saying, like, great googly moogly. And then, no! Like when he's doing that and just little things. Like, Take like! <laughs> things like that as well. I want some ice cream. No, it's for my ass. Uh, <laughs> Just so many little things. And I've never looked at head and shoulders the same after this movie as well. So, um, just... Oh, did it ever put head and shoulders on the map too? They actually... Where I mean, would head and shoulders be? Did you, do you read the trivia for this movie that they apparently yeah. actually changed? Like they use this as a, like an advertising thing for their selenium or whatever it is. And the other trivia as well, and I feel I read this at one point, I don't know how true it is, that David Duchovny turned down a role in Star Wars 2 Attack of the Clones to appear in this. Like, who's David no. Duchovny in Attack of the Clones? Is he Anakin? I mean, really, the only person that he could have played, I think, would have been uh, Bail Organa, which Jimmy Smith's played, because I read that last night too. But if you add up the dates of filming, uh, this, I think, was filming well after Attack of the Clones had wrapped. So I doubt that, that, was, that, that there's any truth to that at all. Yeah, I, I I just I can't picture him in Star Wars. I'm so, I love you, David Duchovny, but I, I I not my Star Wars hashtag David <laughs> Duchovny. But uh, also as well, bit of a connection in this movie to a movie that we recently recovered covered on the Oz Network. A weird Treat Murray. Yes, the Treat Murray connection. But we'll uh, we'll pick up on that uh, when we get to that point. Um, the the screenplay. Oh, you're not kidding. Uh, they're, no, they're not Treed Murray. No, uh, you, I didn't know how. Obviously, you didn't read all the trivia then. Probably. No, um, but uh, I mean the screenplay with this one: David Diamond, David Wiseman, and Don Jacoby. And Don Jacoby was the guy who actually wrote the story. Uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with these guys. I'm seeing here: David Wiseman, 
worked on uh, The Family Man, Old Dogs, um, good for him. Uh, David Diamond <laughs> worked on Castaway. Oh, no, it, it was behind Castaway. No, The Family Man was behind Castaway. Sorry, I'm reading the wrong bit there. Um, yeah, so clearly these two aren't massive people, but <laughs> I, I don't know if these are... Yeah. Sometimes you have random ones for me where you're like, oh, I know David Wiseman. He wrote Treat Murray 7, a Tree Returns <laughs> or something. So... <laughs> This time the tree makes it personal. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know any of these guys. There is, uh, depending on where you're looking, I think if you're looking on Wikipedia, there's trivia that says that this script was written, as you mentioned, as a straight sci-fi film, and then Ivan Reitman rewrote it as a comedy. Uh, that can't really be true because if you read the IMDb trivia, which definitely is more detailed, it says that this Don Jacoby guy wrote the original script, and then david diamond david wiseman came on to do a rewrite to make it into a comedy and that this don jay could be actually liked the direction so much that he worked on the screenplay with them so i mean ivan reitman was not involved in the writing of this movie but it is true that this was a you know dramatic sci-fi film and then they just decided to let's make this men in black ghostbusters like which if you look at uh mr jacoby's filmography he worked on arachnophobia um invaders from mars uh things like that he hasn't actually worked on a movie since uh, evolution oh, according to this so killed him wow poor poor don jacoby and i mean i don't know if he's still alive hopefully he is uh, otherwise he's going to be dead now that we've uh, said that did you did you see this at the movies when you said you saw it when it yeah. came out yeah, and I'm actually curious because I don't remember this being a movie where I'm like, oh, I'm dying to see Evolution. Uh, but I think just looking through 2001, a lot of the movies that came out, uh, it must have been you know one of these summers where I'm like, oh, I'm going to go see a new movie every single week. Uh, this was definitely like, okay, let's find something to entertain me before Jurassic Park 3 comes out, which I think was the movie I was really looking forward to that summer. Uh, but I do remember seeing this. I don't know if it was opening week. It was probably within the first couple weeks. And yeah, I remember, you know, okay, that was, that was decent. It, similar to uh, what I said about Bedazzled when we did that last year. I'm like, okay, that was decent. And then I saw it, you know, eventually when it came out on video, I'm like, okay, that was, you know, still decent. <laughs> it caught a couple of times over the years. I did own this on VHS. Um, I don't know how much I paid for it. it might've been from a bargain bin, but I did own it once upon a time. But this probably was the first time I've seen this movie, I would say in more than 15 years. 2001 is a weird year when I look back at movies because that might have been like, I don't know if you have a year like this, but you remember a year as a, as a kid or a teenager where all of a sudden the movies became a lot more of an important thing. Like it went from being yeah. sort of like almost a, a reward or kind of like a, a luxury to go to the movies, right? Like I remember as a kid, it was it was based around your parents. It was a, hey, mom, can I go see Jurassic Park? Hey, dad, can I go see Star Wars Episode mm-hmm. One? You know, it was kind of like a bit of an event. And I feel that 2001 was that first year, maybe 2000, but like 2001, I was 14. I was in grade eight. And like, I I looked through the list of 2001 films and I just remember going to the movies to see them by myself. I didn't have to go with my parents. Um, And it's kind of weird just to look back on that. I mean, some of the movies that that I know we've covered, obviously we've done Jurassic Park 3. We've done uh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Um, Don't remind me. Oh, I always remind you about that one. Uh, I mean, other ones that we've done. I don't think we've done any looking here, scrolling through. This is costing us time, but like costing us time, valuable time on our evolution <laughs> recap. But it's, it's, and it's, it's sort of a transitionally weird phase for movies. Cause like, I think we're kind of at that point now where it's like, oh, the nineties, you know, like some of these movies are just dumb, but you, you kind of just, you, you, you'd like them for their charm and you appreciate them. I don't think we've quite hit early two thousands nostalgia yet. 
and I think we still cringe at a lot of early 2000s nostalgia, don't we? And particularly like with movies like this, where it's definitely got a certain type of uh, special effects that really doesn't mm-hmm. hold up uh, 20 years later, which is weird to think that if we were doing Jurassic Park again, a movie that's nearly 30 years old, special effects hold up perfectly. This is a movie that's newer and... Yeah, some of the special effects, you talk about things holding up. This, this movie's a bit cringeworthy on the old uh, VFX in this movie. But, um, yeah, 2001, an interesting... Yeah, are we, when are we going to hit early noughties nostalgia, Colin? Uh, I mean, it usually comes around the 20-year mark, so we should be there now. Uh, I think part of the problem is that uh, when you're looking at 2000 and 2001, the shift in you know, what blockbusters were hadn't quite happened yet. This is sort of still riding the tail end of the 90s style of movies. I feel like 2002, uh, when you get um, Spider-Man, you know, was sort of the the first evolution into a different type of blockbuster, even though it had a lot of the 90s tropes as well. Uh, and then even just a smaller movie, like uh, not, not smaller in terms of budget or size, but just that it wasn't like a movie that kids are going to go see, Minority Report, sort of said, okay, well, let's do a really smart, intelligent science fiction blockbuster, but we'll still make it fun and entertaining for everybody. That's when movies started to change. Whereas I feel like if you look at every blockbuster released in 2001, including Lord of the Rings, which, you know, I- I'm definitely a Lord of the Rings fan, but you go back and watch those movies, they are dated. <laughs> uh, even just in the, the melodrama, you know, the slow motion and everything, they all still feel like everything in 2001 still felt like the last remnants of a 90s film. And it's interesting to look at like the top 10 you know, highest grossing films. Cause like on paper, their franchises, um, you know, there's a few sequels in there, but a lot of the top 10 are, are movies that are starting the franchise. So at the time, you know, obviously mm. a Harry Potter and a Lord of the Rings, you know, there's ones coming, but other ones like Shrek, like Shrek just blew people out of the water when that came about. You know, you look at that. Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious, exactly. Ocean's Eleven, Bridget Jones's Diaries there, Planet of the Apes. Pearl Age. Harbor. Pearl Harbor, the Pearl Harbor <laughs> Cinematic Universe. That's gone on strength to strength. Uh, Monsters, Inc., you know, Pixar. Spy Kids. Pixar, Spy Kids. These are movies that at the time it were solo movies. You know, we didn't know mm-hmm. anything different. And then obviously your sequels like A Rush Hour 2, which, you know, that's the highest sequel on this list, followed by The Mummy Returns. Jurassic yeah. Park 3 obviously probably didn't do as well as some people were thinking it would do. So, I mean, if you look back at this in, in, with 2021 glasses, you're going to be like, oh, they're just franchises and things like that. But at the time we didn't know they were franchises. Um, mm-hmm. Cats and Dogs. I mean, come on. Uh, Legally Blonde, The Princess Diaries, uh, What Women Want. That was a 2000 movie. I'm guessing that kind of stretched out over into 2001 there. Um, So, yeah, I mean, fascinating. I look at these movies and a bit of a smile on my face. Bring on the early 2000s nostalgia. K-Pax, come on. K-Pax, come on. Where's our long-awaited K-Pax sequel? Jimmy Neutron, Boy Gene. Actually, Finding (laughs) Forrester. I like Finding Forrester. Um, A Knight's Tale. There's one of my favorites. Yeah, I wasn't a fan. Um, Swordfish. Oh, that was a great movie. Love Swordfish. There you go. But uh, we're not here to talk about Swordfish. Maybe we should have been. But uh, Evolution, (laughs) here we are. Uh, Are we the only podcast in history to talk Evolution? I think we are. We the might movie. be. Let's I'm just sure claim there are science podcasts who talk about like evolution. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, if you've tuned in and thinking that we're about to start talking about evolution, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Possibly, whether you believe in it or not. Hey, we're going to be talking about upright apes in this episode. I think we've checked enough boxes already. And then on the flip side, to kind of balance it out, Orlando Jones thanks God in this movie. So, you know, <laughs> both sides of the spectrum. You know, evolution versus... I, god 
I did find uh, a podcast called the Force Fed Sci Fi Movie Podcast that did cover uh, evolution. Can't tell you if they're any good or not. They're probably a bunch of Screw you, Force Fed Podcast, (laughs) our nemesis. Always beating us to the punch. I really like their Dudley Do Right um, podcast. It was really good. Oh, also, just quickly, Tanya Roberts, dead. Um, Oh, no. Are you sure? Oh, dead. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe she's currently morphing into some type of worm creature and splitting herself into two. That's she how will, she keeps dying. She will evolve and then head and shoulders yeah. <laughs> will wipe her off the, uh, the face of the planet. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very men in black opening of this film. We kind of get the zoom out and it's a, an asteroid, a meteor, whatever you want to call it. I feel like all of a sudden I'm watching a Michael Bay film. I'm like, Oh, is this Armageddon two? Uh, <laughs> potentially it was Gerard Butler about to save the world again, but uh, no, it's a, is it a meteor or an asteroid? Colin's a meteor. meteor. Yeah, right, okay. Is there a difference? Sure. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> all right, we just lost all those science folk. That worked a treat. All right, back to silly shenanigans on the Oz Network. <laughs> um, Sean William Scott, meanwhile, is uh, driving out into the middle of the desert. We're in Arizona, just for those playing at home. And uh, he's got himself a female friend. Is it Stifler's mum? No, it's a dummy. <laughs> and... <laughs> There's something about Sean William Scott that, again, he's the same in everything, right? Like, Sean William Scott doesn't change, but he's... I love Sean William Scott. Uh, I mean, who doesn't? I mean, do you like Sean William Scott? I don't know. Maybe I'm implying oh, yeah. you do. No, stop assuming, Ben. <laughs> um, no, I mean, he, he was the scene stealer in the American Pie movies, and you mentioned, like, this time period, he was all over everything. Bulletproof Monk, did you ever see that movie? No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, he was great in that. Uh, he's actually uh, turned up in a, a big Canadian film uh, called The Goon that I think mm. I mentioned to you that's uh, extremely R-rated, extremely violent, extremely vulgar uh, Canadian hockey comedy. So a uh, little bit of an honorary Canadian, I guess, now. And he, I thought he was Canadian, but he's not. Um, and he, so recently, he wasn't he doing like Lethal Weapon or something like that? The, um, the Yeah, he, he took over after the Lethal Weapon actor, I don't know, threatened to kill a bunch of people or something on set. <laughs> some, some drama Standard. like that. Yeah, you know, normal, normal drama. But uh, anyway, peak Sean William Scott here. Uh, he's wanting to be a firefighter, so he's gone to the middle of the desert to like burn a house and like rescue. <laughs> I do like this, you know, stay with me. I'm going to save you. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Ah, uh, it's, it's, it's just this movie in a T is this opening scene. It's just kind of silly. It gets a bit serious when the asteroid comes about, but then you realize it's not serious at all because he's Sean William Scott running away from a blown up meteor, blowing up a bloody shed. His car gets uh, completely destroyed. So why not? Then we find ourselves at the local community college, Glen Canyon Community College. There's a t-shirt to get made up. Uh, Glen Canyon <laughs> Community College. And uh, we meet our our hero, David Duchovny, who, as always is the case in our recaps, we will refer to by the actor's name and not his actual character's name, Ira Kane. Uh, going back to your point about, you know, his character, like, I mean, here he is. I mean, is he a chemistry teacher? I mean, he, he later becomes a is a head of science. Like, I, I don't understand. I mean, I'm thinking, is he Walter White here? Is he about to start cooking meth? Because I think he's in Albuquerque. Like, maybe David Duchovny was the uh, inspiration for Walter White and Breaking Bad. I don't know. But um, one thing I'll say, though, is that... Looking good, David Duchovny here in the, uh, you know, the, the turtleneck sweater kind of thing with the open jacket and the hair slicked back. Like, what does Jamie think of David Duchovny? I asked her that. She says, eh, he's okay. Like, she wasn't overly enthusiastic about him, but she didn't mind him. She was a big X-Files fan, too. I, I do remember really? that's uh, the last time I tried to watch the X-Files 
was when the new X-Files series came out. She's like, oh, there's a new X-Files show coming out. And she showed me all these old episodes. I'm like, you know, I still don't get it. And then she tried watching the new X-Files. And I think she made it halfway through and then gave up. The thing with the new X-Files is, I mean, like most reboots and everything, like there was a couple of really good episodes, but the rest were just kind of like, what's the point? Why am I watching this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it kind of, it waned after a while, but uh, I mean, it's not as bad as the second X-Files movie. I mean, God, Billy Connolly is the main villain. I mean, what's going on there? Um, anyway, <laughs> but uh, I, I love this opening sequence when we meet uh, our two random fat dudes, Ethan Supley and the other guy. Um, and they're like the, the dumb kids when it's like, you know, David comes like, you all got A's. And they're like, oh, Mr. Kane, we didn't get one. And then it was my opening line with it. I like cells. You know, my dad lives in one or whatever it is. So um, just random comedy. David Duchovny plays this with like a real straight face. Um, and then everybody's dismissed. So he's the lovable chemistry teacher who's obviously a little bit serious at times when he's got a go and discover meteors and things like that. But then we meet Orlando Jones. Okay. Um, how, like, is Orlando Jones me in this movie? Like, you- <laughs> uh, pretending that he's smarter than he is. Yeah. Uh, little too interested in his underage subordinates. Um- <laughs> yep. This is where I'm going. Like, I'm just saying, like, I feel like I, I'm Orlando Jones in this movie, but, um, <laughs> We, we, we meet this, uh, who is this lady? Um, what's her name? The Miss Arizona. Uh, Nadine. Nadine. Who, she's off things. Um, Lana Jones is like, what is he doing? Interviewing her for, oh no, he's, she's wanting to change her grade, right? Is she meant to be a student? I thought she was like, she looks too old to be a student, but sure. Uh, and she wants her grade of, uh, geology to get into nursing school, um, now I, for I've never gone to pageant purposes. Yeah, so so she wants to be Miss Arizona. She wants to go to nursing school to help on her resume by going and getting a geology credit. Now, I've never <laughs> been to nursing school, but do you really need geology to get into nursing school? I I don't know. Lots of rock studies inside the human body. Yeah, like oh look, there's a rock. Call a geologist. But uh, the 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 bit here when um, David Duchovny walks in. And I can't remember what he says, but like Orlando Jones kind of looks at David Coppin. He's like, hmm, I'm talking. He kind of looks down at Nadine and then looks straight back up. And just a lot of facial expressions from Orlando Jones in this movie. Which we can't do justice in this, but uh, it's just it's just so funny. Just his reactions and everything. He's got like this, this stare, does Orlando Jones, which you just, you kind of entranced by. Um, it's just so funny. And then basically they've got to go and check out a meteor. Uh, so it goes from Nadine to looking at a meteor because they're rock hard. No, try to work something <laughs> in there. Didn't work out. Um, but I also love when David Company walks in and kind of, Alana Jones is sort of like almost like holding her hands. And then Alana, and David Company's like, oh, here he is again, flirting with a student. Like classic Orlando Jones. <laughs> um they go out to this site, uh, the weird car conversation, the way like, it's like, oh yeah, a meteor hit nearby. And David comes like, oh, that's what it was. Is this something that everybody saw happen yet no one gives a shit about? Do they um, feel it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, we just did a recap on Greenland. Like these things hit the earth and kill people. You know, not just <laughs> Sean William Scott's car. Uh, so they go out there, we meet some bumbling cops. Sean William Scott's car apparently is survivable and can drive. Uh, I do like this one old cop was like, I don't even know what you were doing out here. And I love Orlando Jones here when he kicks the doll. He's like, yeah, with Betty Lou here. 
<laughs> and it's like, I told you I was studying for my fire exam, which starts in like two hours. Uh, also, Orlando Jones. Well, sure, that too. Uh, Orlando Jones, he's like, I'm with the United States Geological Survey. I signed up on the internet. <laughs> Hello to all our friends listening at the U- US Geological Survey. Well, you can just sign up on the internet, apparently, and, and join up and flash a badge. And I, I, I often wonder... I'm going to do this, it right now. Do it right now. I want you to be one by the end of this uh, episode. <laughs> I, I just don't know if there's a lot of, like, they're trying to be a bit in-jokey in this movie with David Duchovny. Like, obviously, with the aliens, X-Files, it works. But, like, with federal agents and kind of things like that. Like, and Alana Jones is dressed very Mulder-like here with the trench coat and, uh, you know, the way he flashes the badge. So, I, I wonder if they've just done a bit of creative fun here to kind of poke. Because this is still peak X-Files 2001, right? Like, I think I, I think David Duchovny was possibly still with the show at that point. If not, he just left. But, um, you know, I don't know if they're having a bit of fun there. But they go down into this hole to see the meteorite and it's a rock that bleeds. I remember that from the trailer uh, going there to, to take it back to the lab. And um, when they when they get back... Is this when Alana Jones is having that conversation when he's like, oh, I often like to think about my life. Like, am I really growing as a Division Three women's volleyball coach? Uh, and he's like talking about you know, being with the U.S. Geological Survey. It's like, I don't know if this is really furthering my career. And it's like, you just sign up online. And just, just so many little lines that really in context don't make any sense. But this is what Orlando Jones just makes this movie. <laughs> like, am mm-hmm. I really growing as a Division Three women's volleyball coach? Um, he leaves David Duchovny alone with this. And another little moment, which is just not funny, but it's funny, is when he like, le- Orlando Jones leaves the room and is like, are you sure, Ira, you can do this? And he kind of has this look, he's like, never mind. And he just keeps walking out the room. <laughs> Again, he's me. He tries to crack a joke. <laughs> no one gets it. And he walks out. Um, David Duchovny uh, discovers that this uh, blood from the rock is like mutating into organisms. And we've got some computer work going on here. <laughs> I knew you would love that. To which then he appears at my favourite part of the movie, the volleyball game. And... <laughs> You are Orlando Jones. But I love you. Like, David Duchovny just literally, like, just interrupts the middle of this volleyball game and then basically says, hey, we've discovered alien life. And then Orlando Jones perks up. And then I love this bit when they walk back to the lab and uh, what does Orlando Jones say? So it's a Nobel Prize paid in uh, one lump sum or installments, like the lottery. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. And the, the cells are mutating uh, they keep splitting up and this is kind of the whole thing, right? These bits are, are mutating and evolution, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, meanwhile, Sean William Scott gets nutted because he's doing a fire exam and uh, I, I guess this is a side plot to make his character interesting, right? Like he wants to be a firefighter for reasons and now he's got to wait six months and he's got a job at the country club, so that's going to work out for him. And maybe I'll go here to the uh, the field trip where we've got our two big dudes who are like, is this going to be on the, the final? And the whole class is there to go check out this uh, this crashed meteorite. Everything's grown. There's fungus. There's bugs everywhere. And uh, poor Nadine's there and she doesn't know what's happening and these bugs are splitting as they bring it back to the lab and they can't have sex. Um, oh, and we meet Gregory Itzen for the first time. Sean William Scott discovers there's bugs at the pool and... Gregory Itzen, I get it. He's meant to be a jerk, but I'm sorry. Is he actually a jerk? He's not a jerk. No. He literally... He's paying t- a lot of money for this membership. 
But like at the end of the day, he's literally telling Sean William Scott that like, hey, you know Wet Towel shouldn't be on the bench. So fair point. And then later on, he just wants a stiffer drink. Like he's actually not a bad dude. Greg Reardson for once yeah. in his life. He's not evil. <laughs> um, oh, we should also mention Sean William Scott discovers at the pool that there's like some weird alien creature in the tank. So uh, yes, uh, I, I feel like I've, I've covered a bit there. Go for your life, Colin Hilding. Uh I, I apologize up front to Noah. My first note in this is that Noah's girl's going to burn. Um, <laughs> Sean William Scott's little uh, rescue <laughs> date. Even Noah couldn't get that doll. <laughs> no. Uh, but uh, I, you were mentioning like Men in Black type opening with like the graphics and everything. I was mentioning how the opening scene is filmed in a similar way to Ghostbusters, even though the scene itself is different. It's the way that Ivan Reitman decides that he wants to start the opening shot following somebody without seeing their face like in ghostbusters you're like a camera following behind you know uh, somebody a library and here it's like it's just on sean william scott's legs it's a minor detail that is you know gonna be very obvious to people who love ghostbusters uh and then just the fact that he's doing just his mundane task and you throw the aliens in this case or the the ghosts into the scene right at the end and this is before you get introduced to any of the scientists any of the real lead characters in the movie um I love uh, the um, uh, David Duchovny, the world's worst professor here. Uh, now, I'm going to say the world's best professor if you're a student, the world's worst professor if you're his employer, because he gives a C- minus to two guys who completely misinterpret what their report is and write what a third grader would write. They're in a biology class. <laughs> Talking about cells and their entire essay is my uncle was in a cell or whatever. That's a C minus. That's a <laughs> flunk. You didn't cover the topic at all. Like, man, no wonder he said to everybody else, like, oh, good news. Everybody got an A. Like, he's just afraid to disappoint people. Like, this is not a guy who's going to last in community college. No, he washes out of the military. He washes out of community college. Like, this guy's destined for failure in life. I want to take his class as a student. Yeah. But like, how did he get this far? Like he's C minus that, that might even be a passing grade for all we know in this college. Well, I mean, everyone got an A, so how dumb are their reports? You know, basically. exactly. Yeah. And it is a yeah. community college, Colin. Come on. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Fair. <laughs> um, yeah. And Orlando Jones, this is the other uh, Ghostbusters thing I was mentioning. It, it, it's, it's exactly like the introduction of Bill Murray and Ghostbusters in, in Ghostbusters. Bill Murray's doing a study in his own lab privately with a young college girl where he's getting in Bill Murray's case, very inappropriate with her. He's essentially lying to her, convincing her she's an idiot or convincing the other guy in the study that he's an idiot, lying and convincing this girl that she's psychic and she's a genius. Uh, he's got his hand all over her. And yet it's creepier when Orlando Jones does it. Now this isn't a race thing, people. It's not racist, a race thing. Racist. But I, I tried so hard to figure out why Orlando Jones comes across so much pervier than Bill Murray does when they're playing the exact same character in these movies. He's the scientist who does not care about the science. He gets by all on his charm and his charisma. He may not even be a real scientist for all we know. He's more interested in sex. In fact, only interested in sex, doesn't take anything seriously and somehow saves the day. Um, when Bill Murray does it, you could not do that in 2021. You couldn't have done that in 2001, but Bill Murray makes it work. Orlando Jones, it's the fact that they're not going, they're not going full-fledged. Uh, what's, what's the Robert Downey Jr. thing? Um, Trumpet oh, Thunder. You never oh, go full retard. Don't go full retard, yeah. 
Yeah, so he he doesn't you never go full perv, you know. In this case, you go full perv because him going 25% perv makes it creepy because you're actually instead of laughing, you're like, is that serious? Is, is this a dramatic part of the movie? Like it's not obvious that it's a joke. Like you said, what's he doing? Is this girl one of his students? Is, is she underage? Does he have his hand on her? Is is he actually frustrated with her as a student? Nothing is spelled out in this movie. And there's a lot of moments in this movie where they decide we'll go 100% on the joke. And I don't think the only time there's like uh, 100% Orlando Jones perv jokes in this movie is the take the leg part and then the part coming up, which I'm very excited about, about the computer. Uh, Other than that, there are so many, even the volleyball thing is really weird. And it doesn't quite work because you think you know where they're going with it. It says, oh, I'm a division whatever volleyball coach or women's volleyball coach. You're like, okay, they're going to make him the creepy teacher who teaches uh, geology on the side so that he can coach women's volleyball so he can sleep with all the players. But then you get to the game and and it's like they've misinterpreted the joke. They're like, come on, come on. You got to put your back into that swing. Come on. No, no, no. That's a bad recovery. Like he's coaching it like he's a volleyball coach. But isn't the joke here supposed to be he's a perv who wants to get with all the volleyball players? Like they didn't commit, they, they need to go full perv. Orlando Jones needs to be full perv. That's what I want out of Orlando Jones. 100% perv. Which, I mean, it, I think it's just this movie in a nutshell. And it goes back to my point at the very beginning where I said this movie is a bit dumb, it's a bit silly. And like, it definitely has a tonal problem where it doesn't know what it wants to be some points. And I think that, you know, sometimes it's just, it's it's going full parody on itself. But then all of a sudden, like they go a bit serious and then like, it just wants to be a bit of a silly comedy. And then, like, I think that's at the expense of the characters because, like, I think the, the thing that I take out of the characters is it's just more the bromance. You talk about the chemistry with David Duchovny and Orlando Jones, it's amazing. And then when you add Sean William Scott, when you've got this kind of trio, like, it's fantastic. I kind of like this trio. I, I want full movie of this, you know, of just these yeah. these three doing stuff. And then you add Julianne Moore to the mix. And, and, like, I just don't like rubbishing Julianne Moore, but her character is just so rubbish. I don't get it. And then it's just... Yeah. It's there's no chemistry between her and David Coveney. You're right. It's just such a forced love story. But then you've kind of got the serious side of the military, and then you've got Dan. A- I, s- I swear Dan Aykroyd's the only one who kind of is just like cut and dry. That's what he is, and he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think that's not to take away because like I enjoy David Coveney, I enjoy Orlando Jones, but like yeah, you summed up Orlando Jones's character there. It's like what are they trying to achieve with this? David Coveney, they don't know what they're trying to achieve. Um, and as I said, like there's lots to nitpick about this movie because. This is no way a, a coherent movie, but at, at, at the base of it, the, the plot about aliens coming to Earth and evolving really quickly, even that in itself, it's like you talk up the Men in Black angle, like Men in Black does it with such a way that you've got your chemistry, you've got your silliness, you've kind of got them taking over, like everything works. Not, there's nothing really about Men in Black that doesn't work, whereas this is trying to capture a bit of men in blackness but it just it doesn't quite get it 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 Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a you know a vault at the olympics where they've done everything right in the air but then they land and they're only going to get a 6.3 from israel you know what i mean like it's just (laughs) that's what they're getting um whereas men in black's getting a 9.0 from israel because fuck that was an amazing nadia comanechi style landing so yeah it's there's there's elements here this is a common thread i think we have on the show there's a great movie in here there's just and this is a Mm -hmm. lot better than you know geely we were like there's a great movie in here but it's just it's shit this has got great elements to it and you can enjoy this movie for what it is you don't well i feel you don't walk away from this movie going oh that was shit like you go oh that was a bit silly but i enjoyed it 
Yeah. Well, I mean, one example of what they get right is actually something that we're probably meant to think now that they got wrong, which is the the, the subtle racism in this movie uh, that'll come up later on, uh, which I think is perfectly set up, but not again. They don't commit quite as hard to it as it would be less offensive if you committed hardcore to it. Uh, and it's, it's the line where David Duchovny introduces, um, obviously, Orlando Jones is supposed to be the man on the case here. He's the member of the USGS or whatever. David Duchovny not even a geologist. He's like a biologist too. So yeah. he's here to back him up, but he goes in and he takes charge and he basically says, this is my secretary, IRK. You know, the way that they set up this, this thing where David Duchovny's like, listen, you got to know how to talk to the white man. <laughs> it's, it would be really funny. And there's moments where they're really funny with this. And you could tell that they wanted to go harder on that with him calling him his secretary, but it, it they don't ever get 100% of the way there. Um, another thing with toning down um, the uh, Orlando Jones perviness, uh, when they're seeing how these things are reproducing, like I think Nadine is in the room with them mm. and they're saying, oh, they reproduce asexually. That's how they do it. And then Nadine says, no sex. What a bummer. Uh now, first of all, we heard that line in Godzilla three years earlier than that. The uh, asexual, where's the fun in that? Yeah. But should that not have been Orlando Jones line? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense to give this line to this ditzy girl who her story arc is that she wears, you know, the high heels to the, the crash site later on when we're in the field trip. Uh, when that should have been an Orlando Jones line. Like, come on, just just make him a perv already. We want him a perv. Because it does, yeah, like you're you're right, because it's just, and there's a line that comes up later on, which I would argue is like, like it makes no sense because it's played so straight. And you're like, wait, what? Is he being serious? Like he should be arrested for that. Like it's kind yeah. of just like things like that, which is said. So, uh, I mean, maybe that's the point. Maybe you're meant to be ambiguous on Orlando Jones's uh, status as a, Fender on the sexual registry list or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention the difference between an asteroid and a meteor. An asteroid is uh, a, a giant floating rock in space that will actually orbit the sun. So it has its own orbit, whereas a meteor is a piece that will break off of an asteroid and actually enter the Earth's atmosphere. So once it enters the Earth's atmosphere, it's a meteor, uh, which means Armageddon, it would have become a meteor if it entered the atmosphere, um, but it didn't, or no, wait, if it was on its way into the Earth's atmosphere, that always should have been a meteor. So well, Armageddon, yeah, we we just poked a hole in Armageddon. Isn't, and then meteorite is when it hits the Earth, right? Like it becomes a meteorite as soon as yeah. it, it creates. And then a comet's just a whole other fucking kit caboodle. It's a, a big ass yeah, that's rock like ice with atmosphere. Tail. Yeah, yeah, the tail, yes. It's got <laughs> it a tail. tail. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's also, isn't, aren't comets ice? Like, uh, you know, not ground, ice. Um, <laughs> I think, I, I, I don't know. You're the, I, you're the member of the USGS, you tell me. Clearly, clearly. God, you, you, you think I can't read. You should see my science credentials. Holy crap, that's, that's <laughs> even worse. Um, yeah, so this is when they show up to the, the Ira and um, Orlando Jones, whatever, Harry. They show up to uh, the site again. This time it's, it's been completely taken over by the military. Isn't it amazing how the U.S. military can arrive in a small town in Arizona with no uh, nobody knowing they're there and just completely take over? A helicopter just flies over and then boom, that's a surprise, right? Um, but I love just some of these moments like when he shows up to the gate and it's basically like, you know, oh, yes, we're on the list. It's like, no, we're not going to let you in. And then Orlando Jones just loses his shit. And then, yeah, David Duchovny's like, 
you got to know how to talk to the white man. Like, <laughs> which i got to say, like, you talk about the subtle racism. There's, there's some not-so-subtle stuff about to come. I, I would argue there's more subtle sexism in this movie where they, you know, let's... It's, oh, no, that's that's anything but subtle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, like, I, there was an article recently where it was like, why are female scientists in movies always a typical, uh, you know, typical type? And this is a movie where they need to use that as an example. But, um, yeah. like, usually this is kind of played off for the, you know, you got to know how to love, like, the black man. Like, it's kind of, it's the opposite. Like, it's you don't often hear the, you got to know how to talk to the white man, like, it's it's usually the other way around uh but yeah. it's it's again like it's it doesn't hold up but it's you know us being well me being racist oh no no i was rubbing off from noah basically but like i don't know i, I just loved it. just the way david duchovny delivers it he's kind of got that real smarmy look on his face and this is where these two the chemistry he's just like you gotta know how to talk to the white man like it's just the way he does it um we get this interesting i, I don't get the side plot of David Duchovny having been in the military, it really doesn't serve a purpose. Um, no. Because he's a guy basically about to shoot David Duchovny in the head, like, I had the worst month of my life because of you. Um, yeah, it, it serves no purpose because then we've got this conflict between David Duchovny and Ted Levine and, you know, oh, you worked for me and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, sure. Uh, the villain of this movie is a military. Um I, I do like when he kind of meets him here and is like, oh, we're on hugging terms now. <laughs> Just the way he kind of does that. This is where we get the not-so-subtle racism moment of, uh, yes, you and Mr. Black. It's like, Mr. Block. It's like, oh, sorry. I'm like, what even is that? Like, I mean, is this just... Well, that's... Yeah, it's almost it's almost a, a rip off of Men in Black too, because uh, not Men in Black Part Two, but Men in Black as well. Because uh, it wasn't in Men in Black where Tommy Lee Jones kept referring to him. It's like you know, this is my associate, Mister White. Like uh, he was referring to Will Smith as white, or maybe he did refer to him as black. Yeah, uh, that was an ongoing joke in the first Men in Black movie. Just identify him by color as far as his name goes. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I mean, this is just. But it doesn't really work. This is not even remotely like, holy crap. Imagine like having this movie released in 2021 with, this would be just the only thing people are talking about. Because one thing I'll say, like I do love Orlando Jones the way he kind of like, he looks at David Duchovny and he's going to say like, did you see that? And then he just kind of goes <laughs> back to talking. Um, it's, it's weird. And then we meet Julianne Moore, who I have to say, like, what is this character? And for some reason, she's like, Mr. Magoo, she's falling over. And I read in the <laughs> trivia that this was Julianne Moore's idea to be... Cl Why? Yeah. Like, what purpose does her being... Like, if that was the point of, like, the movie, like, they saved the day by her being clumsy. Okay, haha, the joke's on us. I get it. But she literally trips over the stairs here. She's going to get a jacket caught in a door. She's going to drop her things. Like... The sexism, it's just like, why does this female scientist who somehow made her way into the US military as a top-ranking scientist when aliens have invaded, is tripping over all the time. Basically, the joke's about her not, you know, needing a good humping. Um, <laughs> and then to which, basically, this movie ends at a hero moment. She just wants to go fuck David Duchovny. Like, what is the purpose of this character? Oh. Everything about this character screams last minute rewrite. Oh no, we don't have a female character in this movie uh, because she is tacked on. She doesn't command in any scene. Uh, even what's going to happen later on in the movie with her, where she decides she wants to switch allegiances. It doesn't benefit them in any way to have her do that. Uh, like you could have told this exact same story without her character and the, her being bumbling around 
I kind of get where Julianne Moore is coming from by saying I want to do this because you take that out. There is not one funny thing about this character in a movie where everybody is funny, including the general is funny. So I get why she would want to do something, but it's just there three or four times in the movie and it doesn't really make sense. The first time you're introduced and she falls, you're like, okay, that's kind of funny. But if they had followed up on that and had her constantly doing things or, you know, she's the one causing accidents, you know, when, when Orlando Jones is going to get a suit punctured, if it was Julianne Moore that did that, that adds to the movie that makes that character quirk make sense here. It doesn't make any sense at all. And I hate it because again, like you, I love Julianne Moore. Um, but people complain that she was like miscast and didn't belong in the lost world. I mean, she was brilliant in the lost world compared to this movie. And I don't blame her at all. There is nothing here for her to work with. She was what one year away from being nominated for two Academy Awards in the same year. I think she, no, she at this point, she was a two time nominee. She uh, ended but, the affair and uh, boogie nights two time. But I think the next year, yeah, like 2002, yeah, the hours she got the heaven. hours and far from heaven, which is crazy that this is what she does in between end of the affair the hours and far from heaven. I mean, good on her to pick a movie that's fun like this, but just ne- next time, make sure you're going to be the one who's fun in the movie. And this is, I mean, this is peak Julianne Moore as well. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about some of the things there. I mean, Lost World, Jurassic Park, whether you like her in that movie or not, I mean, she's in, you know, the biggest movie of 1997. Yeah, you know, she's done Psycho, which I know it didn't turn out well, but that was heavily promoted as a, as a big deal when that came out. And obviously Hannibal, God, I remember all the, the promotion around Hannibal coming out in 2001 yeah. and the controversy that came there. So Magnolia as well mentioned there. So, I mean, she she's she's a big deal in 2001. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's still a big deal. She's She is an Oscar winner now. Uh, so good for Julianne Moore. But, um, yeah, it's an odd role for her. It, it really is. Uh, I, I don't uh, – yeah, I mean – everyone needs a paycheck every now and then right but uh, i mean <laughs> it's just, it's just a shame when you see people like this you know academy award winner julianne moore tripping on a stairs and basically <laughs> showing off a garter belt and to which there's even the awkward moment here when like both david Duchovny and Orlando jones are like oh garter belt oh lingerie oh no no nudge nudge wink wink and then from the immediate get-go it's like shoved down your throat that this is going to be a love thing because even when david Duchovny shoves his ass on the glass <laughs> which I laugh at it. It's so dumb, but it's hilarious. They cut to like Julianne Moore like, oh, sexy ass. Like, what is, why? Like, do you just want to put writing on the screen that says these two are going to fuck? Maybe Uh, that's a bit more subtle. That's that's part of what dates this as the end of the 90s era too, because every 90s movie had to have a love story, regardless of whether it made sense or not. And then you have the odd ones like Volcano, where, okay, there probably was a love story, but then they decided to write it out at the end. And you actually start questioning, hey, shouldn't this have been a love story? Or is that what they were building towards? You just were preconditioned to this point to think you have to have a love story in a movie. And the studios are preconditioned where they're like, we have to have this in here. Uh, I thought this would have been great if they had her end up hooking up with Sean William Scott or Orlando Jones. uh, Because all these things about Orlando Jones saying, hey, she's really into you. Like, wouldn't that have been a funny thing in the character where let's say her character does kind of look at him and flirt with him a little bit. And in the end, she turns out to be gay. Or in the end, she turns out to, sorry, I'm only into black guys, you know? And then there's the retribution for for him, the subtle racism against him. Uh, it doesn't benefit the movie in any way to have her hook up with David Duchovny in the end, especially since they have no chemistry at all. I think Orlando Jones and David Duchovny should have hooked up. More chemistry there, you know? <laughs> I'd be down for I that. Mean, Sean William Scott and his 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 date his yeah. doll yeah exactly 
Julianne um, Moore and Ted Levine. <laughs> Clarice and um, <laughs> Buffalo, Buffalo Bill. Bill. It's a match made in heaven, isn't it? Um, <laughs> hello, Clarice. It's good to see you again. Put put it in the basket. Put precious, precious <laughs> in the basket. Um, it, I do like the line, though, from David Coffney when he moons himself. Fruit basket for, for Woodman. <laughs> like, did, did Jamie see David Coffney's ass? He's got a pretty good ass. She was nodding off constantly during this movie. Um, n- not because she was bored by it. She actually told me, it's like, oh, yeah, is that the one where the shampoo saves the world? And the like, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, I like that movie. But I mean, she was going off for like three hours sleep or something. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if she was awake at that time. Well, wake her up. Send her a picture of his ass. Um, <laughs> but I like the courtroom scene here when um, I like uh, Orlando Jones and he calls him like your majesty to the, to the judge. <laughs> Like, yes, your majesty. Um, and then I also like it when uh, then General Woman's like, oh, and you know, the facilities at the community college are shit. And basically the judge is like, they weren't shit when I was there, General. Um, yeah. It's like, ooh, team there. But then this serves the point of the whole background of let's make these high school teachers or community college teachers obsolete because he had the cane madness and we learn about you know, this thing that he got kicked out of the military. I don't get the idea behind, like, okay, you need conflict. You need to keep these guys away. But, you know, we talk about Gregory Itzen not really being evil. I'm kind of on board with the military here. I mean... Yeah, 100%. Aliens have just arrived on Earth (laughs) and they're clearly going to pose a threat and you're just going to let the head of science at the community college and his geology cheerleading uh, volleyball coach tag along like okay they discovered it good for them give them a, a nobel prize or t- well i mean they sean williams somebody discovered, discovered it. it and they placed a call saying hey can you go check this out like they didn't earn anything in this movie i think that's one of my biggest problems with their entitlement here that's that's a very good point actually i mean you know you're right there but yeah, I mean, that, you, you are right. They kind of just summarise everything. With the, mil- the military are not evil in this movie. Like, maybe using napalm, I, I don't know. But um, I mean, we should we mentioned we meet Ty Burrell here, uh, and I kind of like his line later on when he's like, you know, we didn't, you know, we might be able to nuke them. Like, Ty Burrell's just kind of a good level of sleazy in this. But I like Ty Burrell. I, I, I don't like Modern Family. I, I really hate that show. Mm. But um, from what I've seen him in other things, you know, he's a funny guy. But... Um, yeah, like, these guys aren't heroes. Like, I get it. We've got to have something to kind of get them involved. But they go from that to the courtroom. They, they get caught against them. Their whole um, their lab has been completely ransacked and taken, which, again, fair enough. Like, the military, you know, need to get that as evidence. Okay, maybe they could have asked politely and asked them to turn over rather than raid their thing. To which then, David, we find out David Coffin is a general which he's in impersonating people to break in. And I do love how military facilities in 2001, I mean, pre-9-11, I mean, you could just get some bolt cutters and chop a, you know, a couple <laughs> of wires and boom, Bob's your uncle. You're in a top security. I mean, David Duchovny spent how many years playing an FBI agent trying to break in to find out if the truth is out there? Mate, you did it all wrong. It's this fucking easy. Take some bolt cutters yeah. and impersonate a general. Boom, Roswell, it's right there. Like you did I mean, at least, at least in Arizona and yeah. Wyoming, well, you know, places yeah. like that. New, New Mexico, the the, the security <laughs> is a bit tighter, but uh, you know, not not in uh, Arizona. Well, actually, I mentioned I, I did skip over a, a, an important scene. You mentioned it before. I thought it was after this, but when we meet Ty Burrell and they're like, "Oh, we monitored your computer," 
to which Elena <laughs> James goes, just to let you know, all of those girls in those photos were over 18. And I love just the, the sleaziness of Tyrell. Oh, I bet they were. Like, okay, he just openly admitted he's downloading kitty porn. And then he's like, oh, I bet yeah. you were. Like, again, it's funny, is it? I don't know. Um, but like, it's... He makes it funny. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, he, the line when he talks about earlier on when he becomes like, what I signed up on the internet and then David Duchovny's like, oh, what did you get lost on, like, cheerleader porn? And he's like, oh, yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> but again, he's like another tick in that he's Orlando Jones, a pedophile column. Yeah. Um, you know, all but admitting that he's downloading kiddie porn on school computers nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not even his. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so they sneak in to this underground, which is now a full-on military facility. You know, they're wearing airtight suits and everything. And some of the, the great Orlando Jones stuff here is when he puts on the um, the helmet and he's basically like, yes, this is DJ blah, blah, blah. Coming to you. <laughs> David's like, shut up. And then when they go down the elevator and he's like doing that dance and you've got that guy like, uh, sir, uh, take a look at this. And he's just like going, rrr, 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 like oh dancing, yeah, that's so good. Dancing in the elevator. Then when we're down in the, the lower section now and they're seeing all these different types of um, creatures, I will say like the special effects are horrible in this movie, but the creature design, like one thing I like about this is that They've just gone all out here. They've not even, like, they're just fucking going, oh, what yeah. crazy shit can we come up with? And it's fun. Like, you know, you've got a, a bug that walks from one end to the other. You've got these flying bugs and just everything about it. Like, they've had a lot of fun in the the creature creation of this movie. And then there is kind of a mixture of, you know, dodgy special effects versus some, you know, real-life props and everything, which kind of works. It was still 2001. They were still not going full CGI. But I, I, some of the Orlando Jones lines here... Oh, that kind of looks like the kitchen in my first apartment. <laughs> when you see like this gross thing. And then when they want to capture the bug and David comes, he's like, quick, bag that. And Atlanta Jones, oh, hell no. I've seen this movie. The black guy dies first. You bag yeah. it. <laughs> that was in all the trailers. Yeah. So it reminds me of um, Canadian Bacon when they're all sitting around the fire and they're basically talking about all the movies where like, you know, like, man, the black guy, the black guy always dies in every movie. And they go like, yeah, Jurassic Park, that was a twofer. It was bad for you guys. <laughs> like, yeah. And they just go on a rant about listing every single movie that has the black guy dies. Maybe I'll do Canadian Bacon for our viewers choice month, not Rush. I feel like when are we ever going to cover Canadian Bacon? <laughs> like that movie I mean, is it's, just, it's like it's evolution. It's a good movie, but... It's not oh, one of my favorites. Canadian Bacon made my top 50. It might have even made my top 25 from memory. Like, I think I might do Canadian Bacon. I just feel we're never going to cover that movie. So, mm-hmm. whereas Rush, I feel like for the 20th anniversary, I'm going to force your hand to make us do Rush. 10th anniversary, I should say. Um, anyway, so great moments. And then this is when he, like, starts seeing, like, a, a alien with a giant ass. And it's basically like, oh, who does that ass remind you of? And this is where it's weird with this Julianne Moore, David Duchovny love story. They've met like twice. They met Mm -hmm. for like two minutes to which Julianne Moore was like, oh, nice butt, to her going off at David Duchovny in the courtroom. And we're kind of, you know, meant to get a bit of sexual chemistry. But like, are there deleted scenes here where like they have a big conversation about you know how much he wants to bang her or something like that? Because I just feel it kind of comes out of nowhere. It's a funny scene, don't get me wrong. When they kind of like cut to the the camera and they're like, "You should take a look at this," and like, "Oh, she's a an ice queen who needs a good humping." And then I love like Ira, um, Elena Jones here when he's like going like Ira, Ira, like 
and he's kind of doing like that's funny but i mean i don't know just this is a weird thing that annoys me it's not weird but it just out of nowhere it's like meant to be implied that these two just are banging each other a lot but yeah i don't know if you have anything to add on that uh, it, it doesn't age well also <laughs> um, yeah there there is you know okay playfulness uh but when you're going all out saying like she needs a good humping uh and her coworkers are listening to this like uh, i feel like she should be killing one of them right now mm. and not siding with them later i mean they, they they basically humiliated her in front of all her coworkers on camera recorded for everybody to see and it's not even necessarily funny some of what they're saying is funny but some of it's just like man i think even in 2001 this might have been inappropriate and it's and it's the it's the dumbing down of a character. Again, she's meant to be this high-ranking scientist in the military, and it's it's like she hears this line of like you know an ice queen or whatever that needs a good humping, and she kind of like has this almost smirk as if to say like yeah that's true I'm going to show them by humping them like yeah yeah exactly you, well that's whole, she has that line later on says I would have rocked your world like is she, is she only getting with him in the end to prove a point like if you want an analysis of a, a dumbed down female character that is entirely sexist watch evolution there, there's nothing yeah. to this character except like oh she's the one that the man's gonna bang in the end because the guy David Duchovny's horny and he needs to work out his sex addiction um and it's such a shame this is fucking Julianne Moore like if you had a cast What's the face from Godzilla? Like, I wouldn't be as upset. But, I mean, not to take away from that, I like it. You know, Estella Warren probably would have fit this role in 2001, right? She was a thing back then, wasn't she? No offense to Estella Warren. Like, bring back Estella Warren. But uh, Julianne Moore, two-time Academy Award nominee in 2001, and this is what you're giving her? Come on. No, and she doesn't redeem herself either. Like, like I already said it earlier, but she doesn't come up with the big solution. She doesn't save the day. Uh, really, she contributes very little to this movie, uh, yeah. very little to the story, very little to their plot. It, it ultimately just feels like she she feels insulted that they would think that she's not a good lay. <laughs> so she decides, I'm going to, you know, hang out with these guys. And when they come up with a plan to save the world, I'm going to rock one of their worlds. And then maybe I'll move on to the other two. Like, but they don't even make that part of her character. Like, oh, it's just, it's such a shame. It would be a shame with anybody, but especially with Julianne Moore. And the thing is too, like, if you're going to go for the character of like the, the staunch, you know, strong female with a bit of a stick up her ass and she's going to loosen up by the end of the movie. Like you don't even play that right. The Jurassic world. Yeah. Like you've got two seconds in with, you know, her, like I'm going to be, but then straight away she's like, Ooh, nice butt. I'm thinking 2001, Christine Taylor in Zoolander. Like, you know, she's kind of, she hates models, right? This is the whole plot. Like, why do you hate models? And, you know, it's because I was bulimic. You could read minds. Like, you know, things like that. But by the end of it, she lightens up and then she gets with Zoolander. Like, it's 2001 movie done better with a type of character like that. So, yeah. I mean, it all it takes movie. This movie reinforces what the guys are saying in this movie. Like yeah. her character arc is she's uptight and she needs to get humped. Yeah. <laughs> and in the end, that's all that happens to her. And this is one of those movies where I feel that you and I can easily agree with, well, there was a problem if movies are portraying women like that. It needs to change yeah. because, I mean, I'm watching this as a 14-year-old when it comes out and I'm a dumb 14-year-old hitting puberty so I'm going to have this image like, oh, fuck, all women are just, you know, give them a good root and they'll be fucking laughing. <laughs> like, that's what I'm seeing. I'm dumb teenage Ben. And that's where, you know, we've taken a good step forward where for the most part, you know, we've developed our female characters in movies a lot better than they were in 2001 in this example. So, 
Hashtag defeat sexism. Yeah. We did it, Ben. We, you and I, single-handedly, <laughs> was us. Yep. Um, but this is maybe now the best scene in the movie when uh, the bug goes in a lantern's oh, yeah. suit. And he, he, I love the line. It says, there's a fly in my suit. Like, that's clever writing. Come on. They've, they've, I've been sitting on that one for about 20 years to finally <laughs> say it. Uh, but this is like peak Orlando Jones when it goes in. It's like, it's in me. And then we get this. This scene was in all the trailers. But we get yeah. the whole sequence of him basically with this bug inside of him. I've got to say, like, it's a bit like, I get a bit like, ooh, when you see it climbing under his skin. But he's been rushed into the hospital. Like, it's in his leg. Quick. We're going to take the leg. No, dog. Don't take the leg. Don't take it. It's, it's going to his testicles. Take the leg! Take the leg! <laughs> and then it's like, we're going to have to extract it rectally. And it, the best Orlando Jones line I think I've ever had, the one that I used to always go, no! Like the- <laughs> <laughs> With his eyes crossing. <laughs> if we ever get Orlando Jones on this show, my one hope is for him to recreate the, no! I can't even do it. And then they do this whole sequence where it's kind of like meant to be him giving birth. And this is the one bit where I say Julianne Moore works. Like the chemistry actually is there with Orlando Jones yeah. and David Duchovny in this scene. Kind of like the, the breathe, breathe. You've got to, I am breathing. Uh, it's like, like, oh, you're doing so good. You're so brave. <laughs> We're going to go in deeper. No deeper, no deeper. And the, the one line that I used to always use as well, they're like, we need some lubricant. There's no time for lubricant. There's always time for lubricant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I used to always say, there's always time for lubricant. Um, and then <laughs> finally gets it out of him. And then, yeah, like, Julia Van you were so brave. And David Duchovny, like, you should have seen the size of it, man. You were so brave. <laughs> the Lando Jones grabs the doctor. Don't ever do that again. And he starts <laughs> choking. <laughs> and then it leads into the whole sequence of Julia Man's like, you were so brave. Could I, could I get you anything? It's like, ice cream. I need ice cream. It's like, oh, oh, sure. What flavor? I don't care. It's for my ass. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing wrong. If we were to have Hall of Fames in our movie recap, this is it. This, this is a brilliant scene. Um, no, it is the best part of the movie, but sorry to oh, nitpick no. here. Oh, no. Come on. It, it, the physics of it makes no sense whatsoever, so... What, the kind of sticking the thing out of his butt? Well, okay, we're seeing it underneath the skin in his leg, okay? How in five seconds he gets from there inside his colon where the doctor says, I'm going to have to remove it from your colon? I don't think that's possible at all. And if it did, it would have destroyed his insides. Like, they should have just made it, oh, this he swallowed it or something, right? Oh, now we got to go in through your colon. But... It, it just it happened so fast and it's seeing it under like I really am struggling to figure out how it got there in the first place I do love that you are nitpicking this bit in a movie which they literally kill an alien invasion with head and shoulders shampoo <laughs> but but like you said the movie isn't always like that you yeah. know they try to be scientific at a lot of lot of points and especially you know when they're explaining how these things evolve like okay, you've spent a lot of time in this movie explaining how these things would evolve and how they multiply and all this stuff and the real science behind it. Give us at least a fraction of real science in the insides of Orlando Jones. And the, the one thing, though, I like, I think, 
which you talk about like the evolution side of things and i mean the name of the movie you can definitely see the the element of where this was meant to be a serious script because like on paper if you all of a sudden were like this isn't a movie where a meteorite crashes to earth alien life comes what and they just evolve so quickly that they're going to take over the world like that's a pretty good movie plot i want to see a serious movie like i would love them to remake evolution as like a serious science fiction you know action movie because like i think the comedy and everything that they kind of take over this movie, you forget about the plot, you forget about sort of, you know, these elements. Because all of a sudden when these aliens are mutating and we're getting an ape, like I completely forgot about that ape sequence in this movie. That's one thing I forgot about when I rewatched this. And it kind of it just it gets all lost in the, the humour in that. So it's it's almost like the fact where, like, yeah, where we're saying there's elements here, they don't know what they're doing. It's like, just go full parody. Like, that's all you needed yeah. to do. Like, go completely full parody. And a scene like this is full parody, right? Like, you know, it kind of it works. And then you're not going to have Colin Hilding, medical doctor, questioning <laughs> the logistics of an alien bug going from the bloodstream to the anus. Um, so yeah, like, uh, this is the problem with this film, right? Like it's just, it, yeah. but again, I just this, enjoy it. It's just dumb, stupid fun. The, my, uh, my other complaint I'll get to in a little bit, but I mean, some of the stuff I do like here, uh, when they are breaking in, as you mentioned, like, you know, oh yeah, just dress up in your old Colonel outfit. I just love that again, Orlando Jones is, it, David Duchovny is going out of his way to say, yeah, you're just a lowly private. Like he's always making him you know, the, 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 the B guy, <laughs> you, you are the sidekick. You are, uh, Mr. Secretary Ira Kane, uh, something that they could have gone even further with in this, but it, it's still great as a water after the private. And then when, um, uh, they do go past those other two guards and even says like, you know, just, just walk and, and act like you belong here. And Orlando Jones is walking like, do, 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 do. <laughs> like that's how privates walk. Uh, but if you notice when, um, they're passing those guards, David, uh, not David Duchovny, the two guards are having a conversation and you have to listen really closely. But one of the guys is just, it's, it's like a background line that's really funny if you're listening and you just imagine their whole conversation. He goes, my toes are starting to hurt from all this standing. Like, that's all they say. And it's just in the background, but it was like, for whatever reason, that was one of the funniest parts of the movie for me. These guys complain about their toes hurting. Wow. Um, I didn't pick that up. <laughs> I... Uh, I'll get to what I question about the plot in a minute, but let me cover the good stuff first here. As you mentioned, Orlando Jones, DJ Harry Block here, uh, <laughs> and I'm an Aquarius. <laughs> and then when they're in the elevator, just the way that they cut to that shot and he's dancing and they're only watching on the monitors, like it's so good. Uh, the fact that they can pick their audio up the whole time, like we already covered that it's it's not even necessarily funny what they're saying and Julianne Moore's character is a part of it. Uh, but um, let me see. Do I have anything else good here to talk about before uh, get to the bad stuff? Okay, let, yeah, let's let's talk about this. So, uh, good thing about the um, the the rectal scene. Uh, <laughs> You've been waiting a long time rectal. to say that, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it was when uh, he was saying like, "Don't take the leg." The other part that you did mention was David Duchovny saying, "You know, is there anything else you could try?" He thinks that he's an athlete. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Like, Which I, 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 I would I, imagine like this is mainly ad lib. Like I don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's scripted yeah. words, but like I'm sure there's some creative. Like this is definitely one of those scenes where you're not going to go cut. That's not the line, you know. And I actually think there was a uh, was there not a different version in the trailer? Don't they say something different? Because I feel he's like he's like different in the trailer. Like I feel there's a different line they say mm. just for the trailer alone. Maybe you can watch it while I'm talking here. Sure, you know, you're right. only I just won't listen you to. You. I never do. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, okay, so uh, things that 
bother me in this section of the movie. Um, they're very entitled. And the movie doesn't make that a joke like they should. And, and this is another one of the problems of this probably started as like a very straight movie. They turned it into a comedy. But they are just college professors who stumbled across the site. They didn't do the responsible thing. They should have said, listen, we've discovered alien life here. Who knows how quickly this can mutate? Oh, it's mutated quicker than we thought anyways. Let's call in the pros to quarantine this area. They said, no, let's take a bunch of kids <laughs> on a field trip to expose themselves to this. When they see it's all the worms, they still don't do anything about it. At no point are they even looking to include anybody but themselves. There's one mention of, you know, oh, we're not going to get any of the credit for this. So maybe just even if they had gone as far as to say that these characters, we need the credit. I, I don't want to be stuck at working in community college forever. But show that they're guys worth rooting for because there's nothing about them that I want to root for in this movie to get the credit. You mentioned the military does nothing wrong. They're doing what... They're doing what we hope people would do in this situation where we're in the, you know, the second year of coronavirus right now. Now, can you imagine if the first person who um, you know, contracted coronavirus, if it was discovered by two community college professors and they kept it quiet for 72 hours and then yeah. the military came in and they just started storming in there, sneaking in with uniforms, uh, breaching the, 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 the quarantine site, dancing around, you know, uh, insulting uh, the, the, the women who are in charge, like the world would kill these guys. Like they wouldn't survive. They wouldn't get credit. I don't think anybody wants it. You know what? Let's leave it in the hands of the community college. Okay. WHA or whatever. What do they call the WHR? Um, uh, yeah, world sure. health organization. Oh, well, well, yeah. Uh, who? Yeah. Who? Yeah. Yeah. WHO, you know, leave in the hands of the community college. They know what they're doing here. They discovered yeah. it first. They deserve a shot. I, I don't sympathize with them at all. And even less so when they bring nothing to the table and like they do in this movie. And the one thing you say, like the, I think is in Atlanta Jones, like, Oh, should we call the military? Like he says it at one point, And then that's when you get the line. Dev, like, Oh no, I know those people. We don't need to get them. Yeah, and there's the other problem. Um, David Duchovny's backstory with the military, you mentioned like you don't need that in the movie. Uh, I agree the way that they presented this movie, but I think that that could have made for a better movie if you would have made it that David Duchovny was right the whole time mm. and they had some grudge against him and wouldn't trust him. But Doesn't he comes in there. Outbreak, right? Wasn't that his whole backstory? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, Outbreak did it better. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only time we're going to say it here. Very much um, so. <laughs> but... If you had done David Duchovny, he screwed up or whatever, you know, they don't take him seriously. So nothing that he says is going to be listened to. That works. But he doesn't come in suggesting anything. They don't offer any knowledge that everybody else doesn't have. They just get possessive over their samples, which really they should have at least looped the military in in the first place. And if you had written this movie where David Duchovny says, listen, I know what's going on and I think something bad is going to happen. I think they're evolving too quickly. They're like, listen, this is just like the Kane syndrome all over again or, or the Kane madness all over again. We're not going to listen to you. Then it might matter when Julianne Moore switches later on and it might matter when they keep trying to break in the facilities and have to do the investigation on their own. But for every time they do something in this movie, injecting themselves into the plot, I just feel like these are a bunch of, you know, frat boys who don't take anything seriously and they're putting people's lives at risk. Which again, like another movie, Godzilla does it better when Matthew Broderick kind of mm -hmm. gets, you know, taken, then he was right the whole time. Um, the other thing I'm thinking too, like when it comes to, I was mentioning about, you know, how much Liberty are they here to kind of like do a bit of parody on, on David Coveney and the X-Files. Like 
the majority of the X-Files is, is David Duchovny and Fox Bottle like, oh, I was right and you're not listening. I'm being shut down, like, you know, and kind of being, you know, talked down on. So, like, mm-hmm. I mean, if they're going for that, like, it's it's just completely lost on anything. So, again, go full parody. Like, yeah. I think this movie would have been funnier if you have no connection to the military at all and just have, like, a high school teacher discover this and basically get the, yeah. get the credit for it. Like, just don't even, don't even, like have them as you say be entitled and kind of do all this sort of stuff just have them kind of sort of be involved and be a bit excited about it but not be able to get access and then maybe stumble across julianne moore and have her character a bit developed and then with a bit of access they discover it and then no one will listen to them because they're the high school teachers community college teachers and, sorry uh, and then like they're the ones who save the day because no one listened to them and there's an example of how Ghostbusters did it better because in Ghostbusters, they're probably more immature than these guys are. Uh, you could see why they would rub people the wrong way, but they are consistently right in what they say and in things they say, oh, this is going to go wrong and it goes wrong. Throw even one scene where they say, listen, if you don't do something quickly, these creatures are going to start getting out of here because there's caverns all over the place. And then, you know what? Oh, no, we're okay. We've quarantined it. And then they get out. Have them start predicting the bad things that are going to happen so that the, at least the audience is on board with them. With the, but that's the biggest problem is that I don't think there's any point where the audience can actually be on board with these being the heroes of the movie. Yeah, and it's, I mean, again, Godzilla does it better when they're trying to contain Godzilla and kind of keep him to yeah. a certain point and they think they're doing right. And then obviously, you know, Matthew Broderick is correct with the, the eggs and everything along those lines. So, yeah, I mean, there's just... It's going to become more problematic in a few scenes. I'll just give the heads up on that. Well, let's let's get to Gregory Itzen dying because, you know, oh, he was yes. a jerk. I mean, he doesn't do anything <laughs> wrong. Like... Going back to that, you mentioned that towel thing. I forgot to mention this. Can you imagine if somebody goes, let's let's just dumb it down. Oh, oh, these rich entitled people or whatever. Let's dumb it down to a regular person. You're at the community pool, okay? And there's towels that are free for use or you are at the gym Mm -hmm. and there's towels that are free for use. Let's talk about the paper towels of the gym. When I go to the gym, there's paper towels used to wipe down the equipment. Now, if those paper towels are all soaked already, I'm going to go to the front desk and say, listen, this is wet. This isn't sanitary. Yeah. What does he do wrong? <laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, when I went to the gym, believe it or not, that happened, but like sign on every single <laughs> fucking piece of equipment, wipe down your equipment. And like you, yeah. like, I legitimately like gave people looks if like, they didn't, I would be like, <sighs> and then go get the towel and wipe it down because I was like, fuck you prick. Like I'm not running <laughs> was- on this thing with your sweat dripping on it still. Like God. You know what's crazy? When you did that, your camera moved. <laughs> I saw the camera. Whoa. Passion. Passion for that sort of stuff. <laughs> but like, and, but this adds to, like, Gregory Itzen in this scene, right? So, Sean William Scott's meant to not like this guy, which, again, what's the point of this? Like, it's just a Sean William Scott. He doesn't like his job. That's all it is. I mean, this is Sean William Scott. Like, the guy, it's fucking Stifler. He's not going to like his job. This is yeah. that type of, like, douche bro guy who's just going to hate everything. He's just there to party. Gregory Itzen in this scene, all he does is he comes up to the bar and he, he makes a joke. You can tell it's a joke because in, like, two seconds he smiles about it. He's like... You watering down these drinks? He's like, no, sir. He's like, okay, make it a double. And kind of has to give him a bit of a smile. Like, that's just, like, anybody's like that. Like, people are jokers. Like, and, you know, come up to the bar and be like, oh, yeah, you only give me half shots. Come on. You know, give me a double. Like, nothing he does is wrong here. And to which, five seconds later, his girlfriend, he wants to go have a nice romantic time on the green with some champagne. Like, coming, my pet. Like, I'm just down at the water. (laughs) To which you think it's needlessly murdered by some creature. To which when all of a sudden when this woman comes in and it's like, Barry's been eaten. 
and then Sean was kind of like, oh, that's terrible, and he's kind of smiling. Like, it comes across as a bit and, psychotic here. And you know what? Sean William Scott saw this place that he worked in. Now, if he knew that the uh, the, the people who at, at paid for memberships to this club were concerned about wet towels lying around, which they should be, don't you think he should have reported the weird worms that are appearing in the pool room or the giant creature that he saw floating in the pool already? Gregory Itson dies because Sean William Scott did not report a serious health violation yep. in a pool that, that he's supposed to be managing. There's a lawsuit. This is America. Yeah. Like, you get sued for looking at someone wrong. Like, <laughs> at the end of the day, he's and he's been given access to be a firefighter just because he drove a fire truck with some fucking head and shoulder. The guy couldn't even climb a ladder without getting nutshotted. I don't, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. have my house on fire in this town in Arizona. Fuck, you're screwed. Um, so, yeah. Poor, rest in peace, Gregory Itson. Can I just say oh, that? Yeah. Like, I, I look forward to seeing you as president soon. Um, <laughs> seriously, great actor, Gregory Itson. Like, oh my God. Like, this Amazing. guy, just, he, he should be in more things. Like, he, Gregory, he was in... He played the main, you could say the main villain or the best villain in two of my uh, shows, the two shows that both made my top favorite shows of all time, 24 and Covert Affairs. Oh. And on top of that, he was in Evolution. Yeah, exactly. And I'm looking here. He was in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Can't say I've ever seen it. I know, randomly I was flicking channels and he was in, um, he was in Judging Amy, funnily enough. I feel like we talk about these shows all the time. And he was a lawyer, but he was like, alongside um oh what's his name the the guy who plays ted in in how i met your mother i've gone blank on his name josh radnor um mm. and it was kind of it was interesting watching this i'm like oh my god it's ted and president logan on my <laughs> screen in judging amy uh sure uh why not why I, you know what be good <laughs> Tanya Roberts, as our 2021 thing, has nothing on judging Amy being brought up every single week at this point. <laughs> you wait, my friend. This is this is the new thing. Uh, if, if I tell you what, we're we're on the cusp of finally launching our Patreon, and I think one of our our tiers is like choose a a real a show that we can cover. I want mm-hmm. the first person to bet that tier to get us to cover judging Amy because <laughs> I I was a massive judging Amy fan growing up. I'm not even joking. I loved judging Amy. So I would gladly watch um, Ty Daly, whatever her name is. We talked about her in Spider-Man. We're going to yeah. talk about her again later on. Um, the What's his... Oh, who's the other guy? The... Um, oh, he was just in Phone Booth. Um, oh, he's in... I think he's now in The Rookie. Oh, I like that guy. God, yeah, I, you, you know who I'm talking about. I'm just going to Richard take, T. No, Jones. Richard T. Jones. I, I just want to say, uh, we, we've joked on one of our other shows that you have the musical taste of a middle-aged gay man. Uh, I think your television taste is that of a middle-aged soccer mom. Because uh, you're always like, Veronica's Closet, Judging Amy, Caroline in the City. I will say that I watched a lot of these shows because of my mom. And funnily enough, like Veronica's Closet actually was with my dad. That wasn't even a mom thing. Like, Judging Amy, um, Providence, they were they were because of my mom. Although Desperate Housewives, I got my mom into. Mom was like, oh, Desperate Housewives looks stupid. <laughs> then I started watching. She's like, this show is great. Also, Gregory Itson in Desperate Housewives. So you're welcome. Um, Gregory Itson month coming soon to the Oh, Office yes. Network. Um, what else has he been in? Has he been in anything recently? Uh, Law and Order Special Victims? He was in... Uh, surely, he's been, uh, surely he's been in Law and Order SVU. So, Come on. This is uh, the, the interesting thing. He was... Yeah, I've mentioned this before. I might have even mentioned it when we talked about Gregory Itson before. Uh, but there's this great documentary called He Was That Guy in That Thing or something yep. along those lines, yep. uh, which is about all these 
actors where you're like, oh, I've seen them in a million things, but what's their name again? Or what do I even know them from? Uh, Xander Berkeley is another one who's featured in that documentary. And the documentary is about these actors where it's like everybody knows who they are, but these guys are on unemployment for half of their year. Because uh, what most people don't realize is that when you're doing guest spots on TV shows and everything, you know, you may make $50,000 for doing two episodes of a TV show in a year, but half of that's going to your agent. So you're clearing, you know, $25,000 a year and then you don't work again for a year. So actors don't judge just because they're in a lot of things. Think that they're like these massive stars. I mean, Gregory Itzen was on a documentary being like, I've been on 24 multiple seasons. I've been on this. I've been on that. I'm on unemployment right now. He's um, he was in friends. He was uh, Mike, uh, Paul Rudd's father in that mo- in when, uh, movie uh, when Phoebe marries Mike that, that's um, the dad I'm actually looking here you, you, we joke about him being in Law and Order and SVU Gregory Itzen wasn't in Law and Order SVU Colin Hilding but he was in something even better he was in Law and Order Really Special Victims Unit a short <laughs> what? from 2009 I don't know what Law and Order <laughs> Really Special Victims Unit is but he was in it so he gets, a, he gets a prop for that one we will cover it on Patreon. Yes, exactly. So Greg Reedson dies. Rest in peace, President Logan. Um, we then get... So I don't get the timeline of this movie either because Orlando Jones has gone to hospital and had a thing removed from his ass. yet David Duchovny's still hanging out at the science facility here, cracking on to Julianne Moore, which again, this is meant to be character development. Like, I don't understand, you know, how you could be you because you were in this. And again, the timeline is well over the years. So they say here that he was in the military, I think between 94 and 97. But then he says here that he's been a high school teacher for five years. This movie was filmed in 2000, set in 2001. That puts him back to 96. Takes place. Does it take Does it place take in two place in two thousand two? Maybe, May- I maybe know. I don't know. But um, anyway, so sure. Uh, I, here we are. Question: The science of evolution. Um, hey, that sounds like a science podcast. Download <laughs> science of evolution coming soon to the Oz Network. Um, they go back to their high school. I, I love kind of Orlando Jones limping here, and Sean William Scott just happens to know these two guys that he met once where they are. Um, he brings the dead creature with him. I like Sean Williams. It's like, hey, ladies. And he, as they kind of like walk by, um, this is this creature that they found. So this again, like, why would you go to these guys? And, and what he literally is like, a guy was killed at my country club last night. And we're going to later find out that the police are swarming this place and they're investigating it. Are they not going to be looking for the creature? Like, again, this is like evidence zero here. And Sean Williams got stolen it. So... <laughs> Great way to help your country. You're, these guys should be put up for treason. They're like hampering a government, you know, search for extra. And also, can I just point out one random thing that nitpicked me in this movie? Why is there not a bigger deal that aliens have landed on Earth? Why is there not media? Yeah. Like we, we get a media thing of like, there are some strange creatures happening behind. Like, everyone seems to know that aliens have invaded because later on we're going to have people singing to Ramstein or whatever that song is about the end of the world when they're all drunken at the school. So, like... Is this just a world where aliens coming to Earth is just an everyday occurrence? Like, oh, aliens this week, sure. Like, I mean, fuck, this should be like groundbreaking. Right now, if you think about listening to this episode and you discover that aliens had come to Earth, like, you're going to stop and just watch aliens come to Earth. This is the biggest thing in human history. Like, but no, this is just a joke. Even more so why it's... It's frustrating that, you know, Orlando Jones and David Duchovny just want all the credit for themselves because... 
these are aliens. You don't know what they're going to do. And, and like, that also makes me question when Dan Aykroyd comes in, why is he the governor? Shouldn't he be the president? Like, I get it. Like the great state of Arizona. Well, and he calls the president saying, no, no, no. I think he needs to take this call. Yeah, exactly. I love They've been trying to call the president. He doesn't have time for Arizona. Yeah. George Bush. We know what he was up to in 2001. Hi, Jamie. Oh, she's back. Yay. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. Jamie just appeared on camera. It's always exciting times. I like this scene when we've got random house of like this creature in the closet. Um, and it's one of my favorite lines is when they're like, what's that banging? And they're like, open the door, Grace. It's your house. Just open the door. <laughs> Just randomly shove poor Grace into opening the door. And they're so enamored about like, when did you get a dog? It's like, we don't have a damn dog. It's like, what is that? A, a rodent, a, a, a muskrat, a pig? <laughs> <laughs> this thing dies like it's random this scene doesn't need to be there but sure they should be screaming too like yeah, that thing I, is genuinely terrifying i just love that line of open the door grace <laughs> it's like it's your house <laughs> open the door grace that's me that's me like if we're at noah's house uh like you're gonna shove me there you're like open the door ben it's like it's <laughs> noah's house like open the door ben um, this leads our entitled trio because Sean William Scott apparently just needs to come along with them. But I'm glad. Like, I like this little trio when they hang out. Uh, they're going to come and investigate this. We also get, I should mention, a random scene here of clumsy Julianne Moore getting stuck in the door. Hey, that could be a podcast. Julianne Moore gets <laughs> stuck in the door. Um, I'd watch that. David Duchovny, for some reason, knows where she's staying. He's waiting for her for reasons, sure. Um, we also get... Like, talk about random scenes. Why do we need a scene of David Duchovny's ex and this weird joke about shirts? Is this just so we see this cop again? Like, I do love the line where Orlando Jones says, like, it's amazing how many women just take their shirt off in front of him. Like, if that's the joke, play it up to it. I want to see more of that. And not just for the reasons you're thinking yeah. of, but, like, that's a funny <laughs> joke. But, like, yeah. it's it's weirdly funny because I, I kind of like David Duchovny's playfulness here. And he's like, I want those shirts back. I want those. Give me those shirts back. But then this is Sarah Silverman, who I don't know how the Sarah Silverman levels of fame in 2001, but she just gets up and is like, you want your shirt back, Zara? Here's your shirt. Like, it's so, what is the point of this scene? They're they're harassing her too. Like, again, I, I have a hard time rooting for these guys because let's even, let's not look at it from, you know, us being the most woke podcast out there. Um, <laughs> Noah's not let's on just the episode, look at it. <laughs> we're not woke. Come on. <laughs> but let's just look at it from like, I don't know, being decent human beings. The cop, sure, he's dumb, but he does nothing wrong in this movie. In fact, several times, David Duchovny has basically lied to him, uh, not threatened, but lied to him to get what he wants. Oh, I need to get in there. Oh, it's okay. You know, I'm supposed to be in there. And Oh, we're doing highly technical stuff. So this poor guy not only is having his job put at risk by David Duchovny and Orlando Jones. But now they're they're sitting here insulting his girlfriend, who we also have no reason to believe has done anything wrong in this movie, mm. to the point where she's freaking out and willing to strip in front of them. And we're supposed to, again, see these guys as the heroes. Like, it's just weird. Yeah, and it's like, what, we had that one sequence earlier with the cops were like, they were, what, being dumb because they were, like, posing for photos with the meteorite. Like, in all honesty you're probably going to do that. Like, I mean, I would, <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. Particularly, particularly now with like camera phones and everything. But um, yeah, it's one of many sequences and things in this movie that just doesn't need to be there. It's, you know, meant to be planned. 
Is this, where's Sarah Silverman? Do you know much about Sarah Silverman's career? Was she a thing in 2001 or is she just sort of unknown in 2001? Uh, honestly, I, I remember she was on Saturday Night Live very briefly in the 90s. Uh, and then I can't tell you that she really did anything for like years after that. I didn't remember she was even in, in Evolution. I, the only thing I sort of, I first knew her, she was in JAG in 1997, apparently. Um, <laughs> I remember when Jimmy Kimmel did the whole, I'm fucking Mac Damon and then mm-hmm. the, I'm fucking, like I, I knew she was obviously dating Jimmy Kimmel for a while. So I think kind of that's where I, I knew her from before, obviously nowadays. Cause I mean, did she do dramatic stuff? Because if she's doing JAG, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, even just look at her filmography, she, even after Saturday Night Live, she was playing characters like second American politics assistant, picketing oh. woman. Um, and this is like years after being on Saturday Night Live. This is around the time of uh, evolution, to be honest. So, mm. uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. When did she become a thing? I mean, I know she had her own show uh, a while, but that was probably a while even after this. She because Didn't she then just become more well-known for like stand-up comedy and things like that? Yeah. And kind of other things, yeah. Well, I think um, even her show, it was like very, uh, not stand-up based, but like sketch comedy based. Sarah Silverman month coming soon to the, the <laughs> network. Um, so I guess the point of this scene is because they overhear the cops radio that there's been a whatever it is. And Sean William Scott knows, oh, that's an animal attack because this guy who wants to be a firefighter knows police codes. Sure. Like, yeah, this is where you, they put you all the calls cop? out. Yeah, they put all the calls out. On one radio, there's yeah. no, oh, this is the fire. Can they just, sorry, this is for uh, police only. Firefighters, please ignore. We have a 2 and 39 in progress. Yeah. They, they all listen to the same one. Oh, no, that's a fire. And like, you're, out, you're sure you need to hear the police radio. I've worked as a journalist where we've had a police scanner in our office. So it's not like these aren't publicly available from Best Buy that you can just buy and tune in. You know, it's it's not illegal, but it's kind of frowned upon, right? Like masturbating on an airplane, right? So, you know, that's... That's kind of there where it doesn't necessarily need to be. But she also did. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Colin. Um, so they rush to this house. It's where Grace didn't open the door. And this all basically leads to Sean William Scott discovering a bunch of flying creatures out in the backyard, uh, which again, like the science of this movie, look at us talking to the science. Like these creatures are evolving quickly and sure. Okay. I like the, the premise of that, but then we're also led to believe that they're not tolerant to our atmosphere. So there's not a thing to be worried about. But then we get this flying creature kind of gets up. Like, did no one notice these flying creatures? And do they all just fly and die in the same area? Like we've finally got one here that coughs up a giant loogie. Um, that's a pretty cringy line. And the special effects here are terrible. <laughs> and basically we've got a first um, atmosphere tolerant creature to which it basically... Um, Goes for a bit of a fly here. Actually, I just want to back up quickly to the lunch scene. This is this weirdly awkward line that I was mentioning before that it's not played for last, but it should be played for last. When Sean William Scott's talking to Orlando Jones and he's like, so, uh, yeah, about just uh, volleyball coaching, do you, like, um, you know, shower with them and stuff? To which Orlando Jones does it like, yeah, sometimes we shower together. Like, no, he says, do you see him in the shower? Like, but it's not played for laughs. Like, he plays it so seriously. Like, what the hell is with this guy? Like, <laughs> I mean, being a teacher and showering with volleyball players sounds like a great thing, but it's, it's that's illegal. That's not just frowned upon. That's illegal, Orlando Jones. You're like, you're looking up kitty porn. You're having showers <laughs> with your students. Why, how do you still have a job? <laughs> and it's it, the biggest problem is that it's not a joke because 
the things that they want to make a joke in this movie, like, you know, the no sex, what a bummer, are obvious jokes. The things with him that they want to make a joke are obvious jokes. Like, oh, she just needs a good humping. Um, this is him just answering straight. And like, I don't know if the intention was for it to be funny, but it's, it's just not. It's just weird. Make it sarcastic. I don't know. Something along those lines. We also get the great line from Orlando Jones when they see these flying creatures. Great googie moogie. Uh, <laughs> love that line. Wait, wait, wait. I forgot that was in the movie, but you were quoting it last week. And it reminds me so much. This is this is going to be really weird if you don't have children. Um, there's a series of videos. <laughs> it's made children. by... There's, <laughs> uh, I? I'm sure you follow children enough that you, you might get some of this. Um, there's this series of videos. They're educational videos. It's called uh, made from a company called Leapfrog. It's like Scout and Friends. I know Leapfrog. So it's like, my, my nephew had a Leapfrog thingy. Okay, so yeah. there's like this stuffed dog named that's green named scout. And there's a girl one named Violet and the toys, you can program it with the kids names and everything and with their favorite food. So that this thing will interact with the kids and be like, hi, Remy, do you like milk? I like milk too, you know, and depending on what you program, it'll have these conversations. Uh, one of the things, if you press its paw, it says, I'm feeling silly. Are you feeling silly? And then it goes oogly boogly. <laughs> and every time you say that, I'm hearing oogly boogly. I remember one of those weird machines that you would press it and it was like, rub my tummy. Can you pat your tummy? Pat, pat your tummy or something like that. And it was like, I like bread and milk and cheese. Let's make a snack or something. I'd... Yeah, that's exactly what this thing's like. Which can you? You know what the most frust? I'll tell you the most frustrating thing about this thing, though. Yeah, this is me venting as a parent. Uh, so there's a paw you press where it sets a timer: five minutes of bedtime music, and the more you hit it, ten minutes of bedtime music, and it will say the kid's name too. So we have the baby monitor on, and I didn't get bed till like well past midnight last night because I kept hearing on the baby monitor, "Oh, I'm feeling sleepy." Casey. So the only good thing about it is, you know, if one of the kid is playing in their bed, it will tell you which one is playing in their bed, but they'll do it all night. Can you, can you like reprogram them to be like, hello, Noah, why are you so (laughs) racist? (laughs) Uh, I I look that up. If I could, uh, I will do that and I will send one to Noah. Please do. I want to see it. Why can't you get a date? Um, something along those lines. Uh, so yeah, this this alien dinosaur creature is flying around the mall. Um, it's pretty easy to get guns in a mall in Arizona, apparently, and just get some bullets no. when everyone's screaming. <laughs> like, why are the only three thinking of doing this? And where's security? Like, you know, one dinosaur doesn't mean everybody runs out of the thing. Like, weird. Mm-hmm. Also, random girls stealing stuff. Just like. <laughs> Hurry up, bitch, or whatever it oh, is. Oh, there's another thing I have a problem with. It's just I, like, I like the funny bit a- when she gets caught, though, and she's like, I'll never shoplift again. That's kind of funny. But, like, here's my problem with this. In a movie that's about the world being destroyed and these deadly creatures, I'm not saying we needed to have blood and carnage and everything, but the only two people in this movie who get hurt by any of these creatures are Gregory Itzen and this girl. And with both of them, they try to come up with the lamest excuses for you to feel like they're a bad person, they deserve this. Oh, he ordered a drink and told the guy to pick up a towel. He he must deserve to die. Oh, she's a shoplifter. Well, that's the only reason that they do this so that the audience can somehow be like, well, she's getting what she deserves. If only in Jurassic World, 
the nanny had have shoplifted something, then it would have made yeah. sense why she needlessly yeah. got murdered. Um, there you go. Colin Trevorrow, that's why you didn't get a Star Wars movie, mate. You left a gaping big plot hole with the nanny, <laughs> one of the most well, graphic deaths for many, an innocent character. Many problems with the Book of Henry, as we already established yeah. too. But having said that, would he have really done a worse job with The Rise of Skywalker? Not. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, hindsight's a good thing to look at. Uh, I do love the reactions of these uh, extras in this mall. There's one old guy standing behind a bush, and I'm just, I'm literally looking at him right now. I wonder if I can take a screenshot of this and send it to you. He's just kind of got this like <gasps> look on his face. And like, I, I mean, this guy looks old. He's probably dead now. But uh, <laughs> t- take us through your mindset as an extra on the set of evolution. Like you, <laughs> Ivan Reitman was telling you, there's a dinosaur, there's a dinosaur. And you're just going to go, <laughs> like the look on this guy's face. I'll send you this picture now to see if it comes through to you in time. But um, yeah, needlessly go in and get a gun and get bullets. It's all pretty simple. Um, I mean, this whole sequence is kind of silly, but I also do love Sean William Scott's caw, caw, caw. That was another <laughs> thing that I used to do all the time. Caw, caw, caw. And then I love like Orlando Jones's reaction. I think it's enough with the cacaw, cacaw. <laughs> established that the cacaw, cacaw doesn't work. And then I like it when he gets there on the microphone and he's basically like, you know, singing like, you are so beautiful. And then it's like, David comes, he's like, all right, move out of the way. I'm going to kill him. He's like, no, no, no. I'm going to kill this one myself. Like, well, I like even better is like, you're embarrassing me. Yeah. <laughs> There's, um, Wayne, I don't think you you're watched. embarrassing me. I don't think you watch it, but Parks and Recreation, another show that made like my my favorite shows of all time. Let's, there's a character on there, Ron Swanson, who's just like the most, you know, uh, I mean, the coolest man's man, you know, you'll ever see. And there's a part in this movie, by the way, that screenshot is great. Right? <laughs> yeah, God, but, <laughs> and none of them are looking in the same direction. That's the better yep. thing. Yep. Um, but yeah, this character, they, they go bowling. And because he's such like a, oh, this is the way men do things, right? Uh, one guy bowls with his arms between his legs, like toss the ball between his legs. And he just has this horrified look on his face. He goes, son, people are watching us. <laughs> it just reminded me, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> I've, ne- I've never watched it, but I-, I know who Nick Offerman is, mainly because I know oh, yeah. I love his wife, Megan Mullally. But, oh, um, you would. They, well, so <laughs> the, mom. The thing that I got really excited was they were coming to Hobart to perform their, like they were doing a duo show, right? And, like, I remember going, I, we went out to the theatre for something and then I saw this sign and, and, like, sometimes you would get things in Hobart that they would kind of be advertising for Melbourne because, like, at the same box office where you would buy tickets, you would maybe go and buy football tickets or tickets to, like, a, a proper production in Melbourne, you know. And I saw this sign in the theatre. I'm like, oh, cool, they're coming to Australia. When I saw it, it was coming to Hobart. Like, I lost my shit. I bought a ticket on the spot because uh, they were going to come to Hobart and do a stand-up show. But unfortunately, Megan Mullally had to pull out because they were like, oh, she had to pull out with filming commitments, which later was revealed to basically be the the reboot of Will and Grace, right? So yeah. um, the theatre, like, called up and were like, yeah, like, you know, obviously this has changed the show, but, like, if you want to get a refund, I'm like, yes, I want a refund. Because I, I, at that point, I didn't really know who Nick Offerman was. I'm like, I don't want to go see this guy. I don't want to see her <laughs> husband. I want to see Megan Mullally. Um, so so I never went, but I was working at the Mercury at the time and I was kind of like backup entertainment reporter. And so when I think we got like the media release of like 
possible interview request and it came up with this one and I'm like like dude like I will fucking fight you like I want <laughs> to interview you Megan Mullally and he's like you can have it I will fucking fight you if you touch Nick Offerman <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think I don't know if he ever got to interview him, but uh, yeah, I was I was so sad when Megan Mullally cancelled because like, come on, whether you like Will and Grace or not, Karen live, come on. I mean, she's on Parks and Rec as well. She actually plays Nick Offerman's ex-wife, and they can't stand each other. They they like despise each other and always end up having sex at the end. That's, uh, so I, Will I do and like Grace. On that. I think they did exactly the same thing in the reboot. <laughs> really? like he was Nick Offerman was like a plumber or something like that that Karen hated, and they ended up having sex. So. Sure. Can you imagine them in the them in the reboot of Evolution? Yeah. Well, him as David Duchovny. No, seriously, him in the David Duchovny role, her in the Julianne Moore role. Yeah, it would actually work. I could. Orlando Jones is Orlando Jones. Yeah, you don't touch Orlando Jones. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, they've been married for a long time, haven't they? Like, I feel like 2003. I'm seeing here. Is it good for them? They're probably divorced by the time this episode comes out. Knowing our track record. But the reference I said to you at the beginning of how there was a there's a reference to a movie we recently covered. Did you not pick up the caca caca tookie tookie tookie? Yeah. Like the tookie bird. Galaxy Quest. No, George of the Jungle. Oh, George of the Jungle. See, I was thinking uh, Galaxy Quest also had the um, the part where they're on the alien planet. It says, okay, I, I need you to signal if you see something. Okay, I'll go like this. Caca, caca. What are you, an idiot? We have these. <laughs> I, I feel like when we did the Galaxy Quest episode, I might have brought up Caca, caca as evolution. Uh. I, I kind of feel like that was brought up. But no, the, the tookie, tookie. And I actually read in the IMDb credits that that was apparently a direct reference from the George of the Jungle cartoon. So, oh, really? Yeah. So well, the, the way he says it too is so great. You can't, uh, you know, uh, someone these birds with caca and tookie tookie <laughs> but then it like it kind of works and then i love it when all of a sudden like it's working put some funk on it rub some funk on it rub some funk on it like say what you will about like david decoffin and that but like this is peak like brilliant david decoffin this is where the chemistry between all these three is working and this is where like i kind of wish the film was just like this the entire time like this is what ghostbusters is right like it's kind of the chemistry between the gang yeah. going out there doing things this is where this movie would work better if these three are somehow already working together and this is the whole movie because the one thing like I, I kind of cringe a little bit but at the same time i love it when it goes from you know oh what do you want, white meat or dark? And they're like, oh, do you have to ask? And the thing kind of wakes up, they shoot it, and then it cuts to, play that funky music, white yeah. boy. And that's like in all the trailers, right? That's all I remember. That song just reminds me of this. Like, mm-hmm. it's cringy, but it's great, like, at the same time. And this is this is the tone of the movie, what it should be the whole way through. This it should be, you oh, know, yeah. white meat or dark, or, like, you're embarrassing me. Like, this <laughs> is the whole tone to play that funky music, white boy. Like, that's the tone I want from my evolution. Hashtag not my evolution. <laughs> this is your movie, Ben. But I love this movie. I'm going to buy this movie. And this is probably going to come in at number two on my ranks of this month. But oh. It's it's so, I don't know. But like I, I then love this part where it kind of goes from this to news report of random creatures. And I love this one guy like, yeah, this creature came up, bit my junk. So I fought it and bit my hand like casual guy getting his junk bitten um we then meet the governor for the first time dan Aykroyd playing dan Aykroyd. gotta love that this is our second dan Aykroyd movie after crossroads have we done any other dan Aykroyd movies no i mean we got potentially ghostbusters very true i'm looking forward to our my girl recaps in all seriousness i am i would i would gladly recap the my girl movies do you like the my girl movies 
I never saw the second one. I mean, the first one, I mean, I think everybody saw it at that time period. Uh, the Great Outdoors, I think I mentioned that before. Him and John Candy. Mm. One of my favorite movies growing up. Well, Canadian uh, that, Bacon. Like... He's in Canadian Bacon. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, is he in that too? He's a cop. He's a well, cop maybe, that pulls him over and tells it. him that he goes off oh, with the graffiti. Right, yeah. Everything like... here needs to be bilingual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm doing Canadian Bacon. There's my movie, Colin. We're doing Canadian <laughs> Bacon for, for like... Hey, and I've got Scott Pilgrim. We're going to have two Canadian content movies made there by Americans. Go. In two years' time, we need to make a book note that for the 10th anniversary of Rush, we will do that in 2013. And I think <laughs> next year we need to do the 20th anniversary of About a Boy, two films that I was really wanting to put up. Um, but no, Canadian Bacon. It's 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 like evolution. It's I mean, I think it got even less uh, fanfare than evolution. I feel this got at least some Canadian bacon. I discovered by mistake. And this is like Michael yeah. Moore's only non-documentary film. And it's, it's brilliant. Fucking oh, Canadian well, bacon. Some of his documentaries are documentary loosely, but yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> well, Canadian bacon's also a documentary, I believe. So, um, yeah. I mean, it was released that way in Canada. John Candy's last ever film, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, there you go. But yeah, Dan Aykroyd's great. I love him as the governor. I love this whole scene. Like, I just think Dan Aykroyd plays, like, all the characters who maybe have the most perfect character, it's Dan Aykroyd because he's just, like, yeah. this over-the-top governor, like, nothing's happening to my beautiful state of Arizona. <laughs> like, of all did you read the trivia foods. on what he did on set? Uh, yeah, he, like, bought, like, he went bowling with people and, like, went to Walmart as a greeter. Yeah, he and, just like, decided, you, you know what, I'm just going to go stand at the door at Walmart. Hello, Dan Aykroyd, thank you for coming to Walmart <laughs> for the fun of it. He, like, I mean, on the grand scheme of great Canadians, where is Dan Aykroyd? Oh, I mean, he's, it's hard to say now because now it's become cool to be proud of being Canadian. Uh, but back in, like, the 80s, 90s, and probably even the 70s, um, if you were Canadian, it, you didn't make a big deal about it. Dan Aykroyd was so Canadian, he would tell everybody he was Canadian. Uh, I remember one of the biggest deals was the they begged him to come back to host Saturday Night Live. He said, I'm not going to host Saturday Night Live anymore. So they said, okay, what if we got you as a guest star and we got uh, John Goodman to host? And he said, fine, I'll come back as a guest star when John Goodman's on, but I'm only going to do it if you put the Tragically Hip as the musical guest. Now, the Tragically Hip, biggest band in the history of this country, Canada, like bigger than the Beatles in Canada, uh, and yet nobody knew them outside of Canada. He bartered getting this no-name band, no-name outside of Canada, onto Saturday Night Live just because they're from the same hometown and because wow. he's like, this is people need to see Canada. So Dan Aykroyd's always sort of been that, that proud-to-be-Canadian guy. And, I mean, with this kind of big love right now for Schitt's Creek and Eugene Levy, right, like get Dan Aykroyd in a something like this. I mean, you know, I, I know he's still acting. He's still doing things. I think uh, mm-hmm. he's meant to be in the, the new Ghostbusters. But, um, yeah, make Dan Aykroyd a thing again. Come on. Like, what happened to – I'm seeing he's on Twitter and Instagram. He, he, he's got a vodka now. Good for him. But, uh, <laughs> of course, he's – just you know, Ryan Reynolds has his gin. Dan Aykroyd has his vodka, so uh, that that's how it works. But I love his character in this movie. And I, one thing I will say that it doesn't make any sense how like David Duchovny landed. They can just walk in here, but I do love this sequence when like it's like you know, yes, uh, I'm David Duchovny. I'm the head of science. Blah 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 blah. And then Elena Jones is like. <laughs> Uh, Lana Jones, you just do those Voted for you, sir. <laughs> yeah. I love Sean William Scott. <laughs> yes, Wayne. Took some chemistry in chemistry. high school once. <laughs> like, they all just look at him. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of funny. This is where the plot kind of gets a bit ridiculous, though, because 
we've basically gone from we've discovered that these creatures now are adapting to our oxygen to hey these are all catacombs of caves to oh wait the government actually already knows this and julianne moore basically shows that within like two months the entire u.s is going to be taken over clearly the aliens don't like canada they're only stopping at the u.s they're not going north they don't like mexico they're not going south so this is kind of you know now the we've got to get rid of them so we're going to use napalm uh, because why wouldn't you use that? I bet you get excited for this sequence thinking people are going to burn, people are going to burn. Um, not enough burning I mean, if, if, if anybody burned, uh, but sadly we know they're not going to. And if they are, it's just going to be the aliens burning. So not not nearly as funny. One also line I like from Orlando Jones when he walks in, he's like, admit it, you missed us, or whatever it is when he kind of walks in the room there. But this is the, the ape sequence that I completely forgot about. So we see the cameras that they've developed into chimp phase or primate phase now, and... Then we have a bit of an action scene here where they break out from containment and nearly kill the mayor. And for whatever reason, Ty Burrell is like, don't shoot. Like, don't hold your fire. Is, is that meant to be that he wants David Duchovny to die? I, I don't get that because then Sean Williams got, grabs the gun and just kills this thing. Um, and so, but these, these apes have climbed up out of containment. They're clearly able to breathe out oxygen, but then they go back down and hide again. Is this not meant to be the intelligent phase? Why do they not all come up at once and escape? Like, shouldn't this be the end of the movie? Not the whole napalm, bloody, what is it? Is nitrogen blowing these things up? What is it? Not, what's the fire element that blows these things napalm? up? Napalm? No, the, the chemical. I don't know, science. Selenium? No, the other one. Fucking, did you watch this movie, uh, Colin? You're making a smart nitrogen. one here. No, he said that we're, we're carbon-based, they're nitrogen-based, I think. No, but no, no, listen to me. Okay, the, well, why don't you tell me, Mr. Chemist? The fire, like, hits them and it, like, blows them up, right? Like, it grows them. Is that nitrogen? Is that hydrogen? Because they say, like, they're a nitrogen. whatever you want it to be. Well, learn science. I'm not meant to learn. I can't read. Uh, <laughs> watch the movie better. I'm here to talk about... <laughs> Pedophile jokes. You've seen this a million times. But I don't get the science. There's a monkey with a blue monkey hitting people. All right? <laughs> we need Noah on this episode. Apparently. He's the woke one. He's a, he's a chemist. He's a chemist. What is he into drugs? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> who's the smart one on this ep- on this show? Nick? Nick's the smart one. Is he? He's not here. I think he is the smart one. <laughs> exactly. It's not Rocky. When was the last time anybody heard from Nick? He's coming soon to our new series that we're doing on this show very, very soon. Nick's alive. Nick's doing well. Nick Judging Amy end. with Nick Chester. Hey, you spoiled it. You know, <laughs> that, that that would sell itself. I'd, I'd buy that post from my wall. Judging Amy with Nick Chester. <laughs> it's time to get judging again. Coming soon to the Oz Network. Picture of him with a gavel and like an Amy Brennan style haircut. Oh, wow. there's a t-shirt. How did how do we go from yelling at each other for science to Nick Chester as Amy Brenneman? That's um uh, <laughs> typical of network segue. <laughs> yeah. Um the governor gives permission to napalm it. I might just go to the end of the movie here. Um, gives permission to napalm it. Um, everyone here now apparently knows it's the end of the world because everyone's partying and drunk because of aliens. And again, there's not a bigger deal here about this. Um I, again, like I don't get why this is a thing. Uh, this is where we discover that fire and whatever the science is behind fire grows this thing. I do like the two fat guys who come into the lab and it's like, whoa, can we have that when you're done with it? <laughs> what do we want to know these guys are doing with it? Um, so they're going to just, they have to warn 
the the general that basically fire is going to expand this thing. He doesn't want to take their calls because Julianne Moore, I should have mentioned, walked out on them because of reasons. Sure. Again, military. Because she, they never wanted to hump her. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She needs a good humping and she was never getting it from Ted Levine. And, and Ted Levine is in the right here. Why should he take a call? She walked out and quit. Yeah. Like, you know, why should he? And this is the thing, like, oh, it's the trope of, like, you're not listening, they're telling the truth. But, like, they just pass it off. They try once. This is a group of people who are breaking into military facilities, like, and they just give up after one go? Like, Like, that's the most frustrating thing here. If you knew that the human race was at stake and they're not answering your call, phone somebody else. Yeah, call, like, the military. The media. Call the media. Call, Call up, you know, I don't know, bloody Katie Couric or something like that. Fucking... Like Paris Hilton, no, two thousand one, too early for Paris Hilton. Who was a big celebrity in two thousand and one? Um, Julianne. Moore. Sean William Scott. Sean Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Call the real actors, like in their Hollywood mansions. They can't tweet about it, but I'm sure they could go on like Letterman, be like, "Hey, David, I heard a thing today. The world's gonna end. Maybe people should get head and shoulders." And I mean that it does lead to a bit of a funny moment though when they're like selenium and like Julianne Julianne Moore's wearing a periodical table shirt. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I do like the line when he's like, he's going through and he's like trying to work it out. And he's like, take off your shirt and show us. And then the guy's like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, I'm not going to take off my shirt. Again, not sexist at all, but it's funny. Um, <laughs> that was a sarcastic comment, people. It's incredibly sexist. Um, but I like how they discover that selenium is what will kill them. And then you got the two dumbest guys in this movie who are like, oh, yeah, we can get you some of that. And they're like, what? It's like, it's in head and shoulders. How do you think our hair is so silky smooth? Like, it's dumb, but it's funny. I always laugh at that. But then it, it goes to a point of, okay, fair enough, head and shoulders. Does this small town in Arizona really have, like, 18 gallons of whatever the hell it is to fill up a fire truck? Like, holy crap. People in Arizona must have great flaky free yeah. hair if this is the amount of head and shoulders that they get. Like, holy crap. And, you know, they really uh, had this coming down to the wire as well. Don't you think another phone call they could have made would be to head and shoulders themselves? Yeah, exactly. Maybe we need to save the world from being wiped out by aliens. Can you send us a truck? You know how you have these, like, Watch Mojo top tens and they're always, like, clever use of marketing or something like that in movies and something like... <laughs> Nobody ever said head and shoulders well, in evolution. In all seriousness, like, I think they should because, like, Castaway, like, they always talk about FedEx, right? And apparently there was, like, a 40% increase in, like, FedEx applications after the movie Castaway or something ridiculous like that. And there are a heap of other movies where they use product placement to a point where, where it works. And sometimes I go over the top, but like this head and shoulders thing, I think is, is random and clever enough that like legitimately read the trivia on this head and shoulders. This is basically them introducing their new selenium based head and shoulders for this movie. So like they've gotten a tie in with Sony or whoever it is who distributes this film and are basically like, Hey, here's a great tie in. We're about to release our new product. Could you make a movie around selenium? It's a pretty big deal. Like, you know, and we're there, like <laughs> shampoo nuts sitting around in 2001 going, no way. Selenium in my head and shoulders straight to shoppers drug mart after this is finished. So we can go stock up on it. Like, I mean, I, I'm sure there were, I'm sure there are some head and shoulders nuts yeah. around, but it's just like what Eminem did for ET. Yeah. The head and shoulders did yep. for evolution. It's like it's it's ran I randomly love it. Like I just think it's kind of random enough that it's funny and that it kind of works. I, I don't know about it. like I'm not one of these people who bitches and moans about product placement. You know, oh, the product placement's so obvious, like Transformers, Gee. die another day. Like at the end you of the day, need I want, it. I, you need it to finance you know, the movie and also it well, makes it more the, realistic. 
it's it's frustrating when people point out especially in tv because like oh there's all this cheap you know product placement on the shows like subliminal uh messaging everything i'm thinking do you watch your commercials anymore yeah because it's people who don't watch their commercials that make it where you have to have product you think that the the tv show you're getting for free is made without somebody paying for it if you can't watch a commercial watch some product placement and these are the same people who download shows illegally who does that but yeah yeah it's but i mean you're right like i mean even when commercial television was normal and we were watching tuning in on a thursday night to watch things right i often got to a point where when i had a vcr in my room i would prefer to tape shows and then watch them (laughs) later so i could fast forward the ads and then don't you remember when tivo became a thing and what was the big selling Mm -hmm. point around tivo skip the commercials you know so yeah you're right like how else are you going to see these things so but head and shoulders good for them great product placement for head and shoulders watch mojo do a list of read redux (laughs) of your of your best product placements clever and put head and shoulders in it because evolution needs to be more mentioned so they fill up a fire truck because this is the plot payoff for sean william scott being a firefighter apparently he drives (laughs) he can get one like is this how the fire department works like failed firefighters i'll borrow one son just get it back before five don't scratch it um meanwhile the full-on military are here ready to napalm the shit now i'm not one for knowing about what the military do like i'm questioning head and shoulders just readily being this available in glen canyon arizona <laughs> is this a matter of napalm of the night, it was- what? <laughs> what? I was just going to say, is this a matter of napalm just needlessly available in Grand Canyon, <laughs> Glen Canyon, Arizona? Uh, they, they FedEx it overnight. You yeah, know, exactly. Everyone watched Castaway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all those 40% of people who got there. But basically all this napalm is, is underground. They install it quickly. Uh, they go early. Um, meanwhile, this thing turns into a giant whatever the hell it is. And basically it turns into Independence Day, but with an anus because now they've got to uh, go up the butthole of this giant thing, which, I mean, at this point, point, you've lost all sense of this movie being anything but silly. But I have to say, give some of the most funniest parts of this movie when Orlando Jones gets stuck off the butt and it's like, it's payback. Like, again, it's Independence Day. They're ripping off the end of Independence yeah. Day right here. But I love it when he's, like, stuck up. And he's like, oh, my God. Whoa. You'll never believe what I'm seeing up here. It's horrible. Yeah, oh, my God. I've seen things no man should see. And then I love it when it explodes and he gets down there and he's like, don't you ever tell anyone where I've been. <laughs> uh, this whole thing explodes. Uh, I want this to be like swinging safari with giant like blubber guts going on houses, but instead you get a couple of, you know, blobby bits going everywhere. Um, oh, one thing I'll say about Dan Aykroyd, I love him when he like sits down on the table and he's like, uh, you know, you better get your things together, Sergeant. He's like, that's general. It's like, not if you fuck this up, sir. Or he doesn't say fuck up, but like, you know, <laughs> and I love when he sits down and he's like, keep my seat warm. All right, I'll have some spy goggles and a hot chocolate. <laughs> and when it's all blowing up, it's like, Pretty good uh, fire here. Maybe shame we don't have some wieners. And like that could be arranged, <laughs> sir. Like <laughs> I love Dan Aykroyd in this movie. But I also love Ted Levine. I feel like I'm not talking up Ted Levine, but uh, him and Ty Burrell, underrated comedy duo in this movie. Although it doesn't make sense at the end when like basically they're washing off Ted Levine and he's kind of like, oh, you're bumbling fool. Like I mean. He's really done nothing wrong in this movie, Ted Levine. Can I just point that out? Still no. hasn't done anything wrong. He's done everything right. It's yeah. actually the opposite. Exactly. Like Even the name palm. Like, 
how are they supposed to know? It's not like everybody else was saying, no, you can't napalm because it'll do this. Yeah. Nobody told him not to. He avoided a phone call from somebody who walked out on the company. And if they're all He's leading, done nothing wrong. If they're all leading scientists, surely somebody else could have discovered this. Like, are we led to believe that none of these scientists are experimenting on these samples? They're just keeping them? Like, we yeah. see them take them away and things. Like, wouldn't you burn one of them? Like, I mean, that would be a cool experiment. Like, what happens when I burn an alien? Oh, it grows. And- Fuck, don't use napalm. And they don't, our heroes don't even discover this through their own intellect. It's through their own tomfoolery (laughs) that they, I don't know why, that's the first time tomfoolery has ever been used on this podcast, but (laughs) what other word can you think of? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Just like Amy Brenneman, it's it's, it's time to make tomfoolery a thing again. Uh, But it's through them screwing around, they accidentally discover what fire will do this. And then when it comes time to figure out that the selenium is going to work or whatever, they base it on a theory. We don't want to see them trying one dash of shampoo to see if yeah. this works. They're like, oh, so if you go this way and this way, this is what kills humans. So if you go this way and this way on the periodic chart, this was what must kill them. Test it. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point uh, that they don't do that. I'd also just like to take this moment to announce my new podcast project, Tom Foolery with Amy Brenneman, <laughs> coming soon to the Oz Network. Where we talk to Amy Brenneman about getting up to things in her childhood <laughs> and the tomfoolery that ensued. That's tomfoolery with Amy Brenneman coming soon. And Nick Chester. Great, great. Oh, and Nick Chester as Amy Brenneman. <laughs> yes, hello. This is, this is Amy Brenneman, uh, star of such hots as Judging Amy and Daylight or Daybreak, whatever that movie was called. And uh, tomfoolery with Ben Waterworth. <laughs> oh, I'd listen. Um, five stars for me on, on iTunes. Um, seriously, I, I think Amy Brenneman actually does this a podcast now when I went to her website, but like rename it, Amy, Re- rename Tom it. Tom Foolery with Amy Brenneman. Like sells itself. Can we get a t-shirt made of Tom Foolery with Amy Brenneman? <laughs> Can we reserve the domain name Tom, Tom Foolery with Amy Brenneman.com? Picture of Amy, Amy Brenneman getting up to some mischief. There she is. <laughs> Guest starring Tyne Daly. Uh, <laughs> the Judging Amy reunion you've all been waiting for. Tom Foolery. <laughs> Featuring special guest Maria from Providence. Uh, and all the other curly-haired women from the early 2000s. Uh, <laughs> Felicity and Crossing Jordan and... <laughs> Jerry Manthe and <laughs> that was a hairstyle of the early 2000s. The curly hair. It was. You know, I'm down. Tom Fuller with Amy Brenneman is going to be a hit. <laughs> You've heard it here first. Where the, where the people that kill off actors, now we're starting reviving their careers. You know, <laughs> where was Amy Brenneman in, in Evolution? You know, she could have played Nadine. I would have watched that. Um, speaking could of have played Nadine, Sean William Scott's role. Could have been, you know, she could have played the dummy that uh, Sean William Scott was trying to rescue from the burning building. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Betty Lou. Um, so the end of this movie, basically the alien blows up. They all rescued. And again, if we're led to believe the, the lengths that these people have gone, they've technically saved the world. But like all the thanks they get is a quick fire press conference and the governor of... Arizona in front of a couple of local media, WKZN7, <laughs> Cable News 3 in, in this town. He gets quickly presented with a fire. Like, he says, I spoke to the fire chief. So, okay, 
the timeline of this movie, they've literally blown up an alien. They've probably gone, oh, cool, congratulations, congratulations. And in that time frame, the governor has gone from, yes, we've saved our, our you know, state to, oh, what can we do to thank these people? All right, um, okay, they're high school teachers. They're already set. She's Julianne Moore. She'll win an Oscar. Sean William Scott, <laughs> what are you? I don't even, like, never met him before. Uh, he looks like a firefighter. Chief of the fire department. Have you got this guy? Oh, you can make him a firefighter. Get me a medal. I'll quickly put it around his neck. Um, and also, in the background, Nadine is Miss Arizona. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. So she has a sash on that says Miss Arizona. So also the governor, which the Miss Arizona United States pageant is run by Donald Trump, isn't it? Like, it's not even a state-run <laughs> thing. Like, does the, the state governor have precedence over who becomes miss whatever i don't think so i mean maybe they do I, that's why i'm not governor because that would be dangerous but throughout all of this but you know what i mean you know why she won it right because she needs a good humping yeah. <laughs> and dan Aykroyd gave it to her um <laughs> but then this leads to the big moment of actually i like Orlando jones like when he's getting he's saying first of all thanks god without his glory we'd be all you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> um then we get David Copley and Julianne Moore finally get to hump, essentially. Uh, they run off into the fire truck and hump, to which is like a secret service agent who basically is kind of like, mm, they're in the truck having sex. And then we get I this line. I think they're attempting re-entry, sir. <laughs> but then I even don't get this line of Orlando Jones when he's like, I think he's giving him the keen madness. Like, like what? He's giving an extreme flatulence and like. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's meant to be Erectile a sex- dysfunction. <laughs> a sexualized line. And does, does Dan Aykroyd know about this? He wasn't there for that conversation earlier on. Um, so it's a bit odd and like this ending where they're then driving off and you've got this dinosaur needlessly flying over them to which we get this yellow smiley face thing, which is like, that was the poster. Wasn't it like have a nice end of the world, which I mean, okay. But like, is that, why is that in the thing? Like, are these aliens meant to be happier? And then we get this head and shoulders shampoo ad at the end, which I kind of like. Apparently that was the idea. I think of Ivan Reitman's son or something like that. Like this is how you should end the movie. And then, like, in the movie, because then I don't get how why you end on that dinosaur screaming at the door again, and then it's, like, credits, and it's, like, Power Man 500, like, end of the world, fucking, 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 whatever it is. Um, so, it's an odd ending, but I guess this it is kind is of an odd, odd movie. Um, it should be odder, though. I think we both agree this, yeah. this needs to be odder than this. Uh, a couple of things that uh, you missed here. You mentioned how bad the it's like a big loogie. What is the line? Something yeah, about uh, like a it, big loogie. Yeah, yeah, that's that's just awful. But Orlando Jones saving it after that, just his expression when he's like Mazeltov, it's a boy. <laughs> I so forgot great. about that. Yes, <laughs> Mazeltov. Is- oh, and the other line, kind of quickly jump in. Sorry, is when they're where they're funny. They're hunting for the dinosaur and the thing, and it's like if you're a giant lizard, you know where would you be? Lingerie. It's like I said, the lizard, yeah. not you. Lingerie. <laughs> Lingerie, yeah. <laughs> but, like, why aren't they calling somebody for help here? Like, yeah. it's another thing that's just really frustrating because they, they seem to want all the glory, but they don't say they want all the glory. So you secretly resent them for, you know, oh, look, we discovered this. Let's head to the mall. All these people's lives are in danger. Let's stop this dinosaur ourselves because we're firearm experts. No. <laughs> and, like, they still don't bother to call anybody even after this. Um I already mentioned my issue with the the shoplifting girl. Uh, it's she's a shoplifter, so it's okay if she dies, people. Uh, but yeah, th- there is really good stuff between Orlando Jones and Sean William Scott here. Like the sing, sing, rub some funk on it. Like that's so good. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, not much else to add here. Uh, I don't know why she just has sex with David Duchovny at the end. Like it's, it's well, just wouldn't you? further. I would. Hello, I'm... David Duchovny at the end. Let's have sex. <laughs> why okay. Not? <laughs> I mean, Julianne Moore would take her, but no, I'll pass on Duchovny. So you can have him. He's a sex uh, addict. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Orlando Jones, though. Well, rub some funk on that. All right. Yeah. Yeah, the shampoo thing, it is good. Uh, it does really bother me that they don't test this at least once, though. Uh, also, when Sean William Scott steals this carcass, again, shouldn't he be calling the proper authorities? I mean, like, I found some alien body you know, off the freeway or whatever. He's like, let me take it to those community college guys. What is this town's obsession with community college? Mm. Like, it's the be-all, end-all. Uh, no, there's just a lot of things wrong with the movie here. But, I mean, it is fun. I mean, especially with Orlando Jones. And I agree with you. This ending, uh, it, it's it's the right the right amount of silliness for the ending. But it just sort of ends. And it's funny because Jamie was awake at this point, And she had kept saying, oh, yeah, I remember really liking this movie. And then she's like, oh, yeah, this is pretty funny. And then the end happens. She goes, wow, this movie just sort of ends out of nowhere, doesn't it? And then yeah. it just turns the TV off. Like it's not quite as exciting as I think it should be. And I think it's not about uh, how much you have, because it's also very similar to Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, you have this huge climax and builds and builds and builds, but everybody knows the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man part, right? Mm-hmm. Who is on screen for probably a minute and a half at the end. It is such a, a brief appearance. This sort of just remind me of, oh, we've got the giant creature now. It's like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. But I don't think it really works the same here because we don't really see anything of this creature. We just see it fart in their face. Um, and it does remind you a little too much about Independence Day. Uh, and when they just sort of throw in there, oh, it's separating now. We're going to have two of them. Okay, well, it's still the same size. Even if it separates, you've got the same amount of shampoo. Like, where was the shampoo? Were you going to inject the shampoo into all these things? You had a fire hose. All you have to do is spray it. Like, I don't understand why this is a big deal. If it splits, it's going to take it a couple of hours before it splits again, unless you burn it again. So call up head and shoulders and tell them to come in. (laughs) Dump this stuff from a plane. Uh, The climax just isn't quite as exciting as I think it could have been. Uh, I don't know. I almost sound like I'm more down on this movie than I actually feel like I am. Yeah, I'm but there's a lot of fun. What your viewpoint's going to be at the end with this movie? I, I, I'm not reading you the, well but here. But here's the weird thing because you're talking about like, oh, I really should have put this on my top fifty list, and I feel like you're arguing this like somebody who wants to rent it. Like it's weird. But, but it's, it's just a weird. You know, it's enjoyable, yeah. but weird. But that's like I think what I said at the beginning. Like this movie is dumb. It really is stupid. But I I just can love this movie. Like even after watching this, I was like, why haven't I watched this movie in such a long time? And I think it's mm-hmm. it's different now when I can sit down and watch this and I do this show and I feel like anything I watch now, I've got that like mindset of you know trying to pick it apart right. Yeah. Mallory hates it and she's starting doing it now. <laughs> like she's doing it in movies and things like that as well. But and like yeah, this is a, a movie that is rife for like picking apart and the stupidness of it. But like. If I take myself back to 14-year-old Ben just watching this movie for the stupidness it is, it's like we were going to do Rat Race. We wanted to do Rat Race instead of this because we were going to bump this for Ghostbusters Month. And, and you know, I don't know if we'll wait another five years for the 25th anniversary of Rat Race, but I think Rat Race is a film that we do. Rat Race is a stupid movie as well. Like, Rat Race <laughs> makes no sense as well. But, like, Rat Race is just it's just a hoot of a film. It's just so ridiculously dumb with one of the most stacked casts you will ever have. And that's another movie that just completely gets forgotten about. But, um... 
yeah, like I, I, I'm spoiling this now by saying I'm going to buy this movie no matter what. And yeah, I, I definitely sort of think like, should this go on my top? 50? If I did my, if I extended that to my top 100, this probably does make my top 100 favorite movies of all time. It's just, it's randomly dumb and silly that I can just put this on and enjoy it. Really, all the only other thing I can really say about this movie we haven't covered already is that um, I don't hate this. <laughs> it's I, I'm picking it apart, but I also feel like this is one of these movies where it's not because we have to sit down and take notes and I'm picking it apart. It's because I was sitting there trying to figure out what doesn't work about this movie that it stood out to me. The characters are actually quite unlikable. You know, mm. the, the characters are not heroic in any way. I feel like this is an easily fixable movie. And I think that's where I'm going to be more forgiving of it. Uh, I enjoy the majority of the humor in this movie. Some of it is a little bit flat, uh, but Orlando Jones is a hundred percent on all the time. I mean, he's definitely not as good here as it is in uh, replacements, especially, you know, he probably on par with uh, uh, bedazzled here, uh, but I mean, replacements is his, that's, that's his scene stealing performance, but he's still the number one guy in this movie. And I feel like it, it, it works even if nothing else in this movie works, it works for Orlando Jones. Uh, so really, let's let's get Orlando Jones on here because he he deserves to be a thing. This guy was brilliant, and this yeah. movie proves it. Even if the movie doesn't, um, does this movie work better in twenty twenty one? If you just flip the script and David Duchovny is the one who needs a, a good humping, um, I think that would make it fresh. I think that's one of the other things. Is some of the things in this movie that date it a little bit. We are unfortunately in a world where these things are so, I'm not going to say crammed down your throat because that sounds negative, but it's so in your face about, oh, here's all the things that have been going on in the movie industry for years. And everybody knew it, but you just didn't care. And now it's such a big deal that I don't think you could make this movie. But I feel like there would be an opportunity to do this in a fun way by having the male character be the, the uptight one. Where it's like, oh, he needs a good humping. I never quite understood all the criticism towards Jurassic World. Hmm. with uh the, the the chris pratt and uh bryce dallas howard dynamic i still think that movie handles it expertly compared to this but when you do look back on movies like evolution you do get why yeah you know what even if you do it well in jurassic world do you really need to continue to reinforce this uh, it is a big detraction for this movie what they do with julianne moore well the positive news is julianne moore's career didn't exactly suffer because uh <laughs> a couple of oscar she nominations a year from- later she won an oscar so you know she's- yeah She's doing one thing I'll say um, just on a topic of Julianne Moore is that we know that um, with uh, Jurassic World Dominion, you know, there's a couple of returning people coming back. And I think Julianne, Julianne Moore was in an interview and somebody sort of mentioned to her about her returning and she was kind of like, oh, I'd be open for it if they asked me. So I think like, you know, it's so exciting to see kind of the original gang back coming to Jurassic World, but I'm kind of hoping it's going to be like these rumors around like Spider-Man uh, 3 in, mm. in the MCU where it's like all of a sudden, here's Julianne Moore, Sarah Harding's back, Nick Van Owen's back, you know. they Nash, he survived! Nash, Enrique! Uh, you know, somehow Enrique. Richard Schiff survived getting eaten in half by a by a T-Rex, you know. I mean, they're bringing back um, uh, Dodson, obviously a different actor, but, uh, you know, that's kind of a very important character from the book. Dodson. We got Dodson here! Yeah, uh, which in real life, that's what happened when the guy got arrested for, like, kitty porn or whatever he did. Um, <laughs> but did you know that? The actor, I don't think we no. covered that. When we did the Jurassic Park, the guy who played Dodson in the original Jurassic Park, he's in, like, jail for, like, I don't know if it was kitty porn or, like, raping a kid. Like, he, he he's in jail. Like, gone. So, yeah. Um, 
Well, I'm glad for once on one of these episodes that topic came up and it wasn't directed towards one of the hosts. Well, um, I mean, okay. we're a couple of weeks away from the awkwardness around uh, Edward Rooney in Ferris Bueller, but he's, he's rehabilitated, oh, hasn't he? Like, he's, yes. he's, he's working again. So, uh, sadly, uh, What's-His-Face didn't get the call up for Dodgson in, uh, you know, Jurassic World, <laughs> the new one. But anyway, Julia Moore, hopefully she's in it. Um, there was a spin-off television show of this. Did you know that? An animated TV series came after yeah, this? Did I, you ever see it? I never saw it. It's funny because... I always remember certain movies having animated shows. I remember the Godzilla animated show. I remember the mummy animated show. Uh, and whenever I thought about evolution, I'm always like, Oh yeah, there was an animated show that, but I never, I never saw it to be honest, but I, I, I knew it was a thing. Yeah. I, I, I think I might've read this once before and I knew, but I, yeah, I never knew it was a thing. Also, can I just point out that Kyle Gass and John Cho apparently have small roles in this movie. Do you, did you see them in this film? I did not see no. Kyle Gass or John Cho. John, Sh- John Cho, there was one point, and I didn't know until afterwards, but there was one point, uh, it might've been where all the students were on the field trip mm. where there was a guy in the background. I'm like, is that John Cho? Uh, yeah. So I think that's, he's in the field trip section, but Kyle Gass, I didn't know anything about. Yeah, no, I, I didn't see because I remember reading that like a week ago when we were sort of saying like, oh, great cast. And then sort of, yeah, watching this, didn't didn't see him at all. So uh, anyway, um, reviews wise, I mean, this actually, I thought this was a lot more hated than this. 43% mm-hmm. on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I honestly thought this got a lot more negative reviews. Um, 4.94 out of 10 uh, Director Reitman tries to remake Ghostbusters But his efforts are largely unsuccessful Because this movie has too many comedic misfires That's a pretty accurate uh, statement I would say um, 40 out of 100 on Metacritic And it has a B plus on CinemaScore uh, So there you go uh, Box office, there was Pretty much a bomb. Um, it, an $80 million budget only made $38 million domestically, $60 million worldwide, $98 million around the world. I mean, this is a movie I feel today that could possibly make $100 million. Um, and maybe, I don't know if that was their aim. I mean, 2001 was a lot different. But, uh, yeah, I mean, $80 million is a pretty hefty budget for some pretty shit special effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I don't know. David Duchovny must be expensive in 2001. Uh, this movie... Uh, you know up- what's funny is... I thought this was a bigger hit than it was. Like looking at his box office, I remember this being one of these, oh, it was a moderate sized hit, but only because of its budget did it bomb. But it really did bomb, like at least domestically. $13 million on its opening weekend. So uh, yeah, what, more than a quarter in its opening weekend and didn't really recover. Same weekend, Swordfish opens to $18 million. Uh, Much better movie. What a movie. I I love Evolution, don't get me wrong, but Swordfish is a fantastic movie. I haven't watched that in a long time. Uh, Shrek in its fourth week still made $16 million. Pearl Harbor in its third week, $14 million. That's a lot of wasted money on that movie. Um, The Animal, (laughs) speaking of wasted money, uh, Colleen Haskell's film debut at number two that Uh, week. uh, The second week, sorry, $9 million. Moulin Rouge, number six. Uh, The Mummy Returns in its sixth week still making $4 million. And A Knight's Tale in its fifth week making a million. Also opening up that weekend, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, and the anniversary party, Bride of the Wind, and Divided We Fall, 2001 re-release, made $28,000 that weekend. And I'm also seeing here The Caveman's Valentine, in its 15th week, made $211. So, good for them. Um, user, and I will do plot keywords, then we'll do user reviews. Um, shampoo Month, have we, we wanted to do Shampoo Month at all? I bet really? Shampoo is on there. Featuring The English Patient. Evolution, The Book of Eli, and Cashback. 
So, so there is a movie called Shampoo that is not on the top searches for shampoo. Run Lola Run is number seven. That's a good movie. I oh, I love that movie. Still have not signed in to put our own words in there. I'll do it eventually. Just like the Patreon, we'll get there eventually. Um, <laughs> movie flop month. Okay, let's. <laughs> I'm do sure it. we've covered a few of these featuring Tenet, uh, the Shawshank <laughs> Redemption. I mean, I guess technically I did flop at the time, but I mean, you know, fair enough. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn and Mortal Engines. Yeah, yeah. like I, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Tenet, but I hate that people keep grouping Tenet as a movie flop. The thing has made the same amount as almost every Christopher Nolan movie. It's just that it's made it almost all worldwide. It's like this American thing where it's like, oh, because it didn't make money here, it's a flop. Well, it's made the same amount as Interstellar, I think. And yeah. even Birds of Prey, the thing the thing was out for like three or four weeks before the pandemic hit. Like you can't call it a flop yeah. because a pandemic killed some of the box office. I'm looking forward to Fart Joke Month, which is always good. <laughs> I know we've covered some of these. Mean Girls, The Crow, Knocked Up, and Idio- Idiocracy. Idiocracy, how do you say that? Um, Idiocracy. Um, Babe Scientist Month. <laughs> sure wow even objectifying the one woman in this movie in the plot keywords featuring ncis godzilla <laughs> king of the monsters agents of shield and bones uh, who's the big scientist in godzilla king of monsters the the olsen twin no she's not a scientist um <laughs> that was the first one oh, too. the first one uh the the they're not talking about the little girl the little right? girl from the little girl from <laughs> stranger things no, oh the vera, vera farmiga yeah okay um 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 um, um what am i talking about here anal uh, probe month that's what i'm looking at yeah vera is <laughs> not in godzilla is she king of monsters the second oh, one oh i'm was. thinking of a different person never mind yeah i know who you're talking about um so for Anal Probe, we have Euro Trip. I like that movie. Michelle Trachtenberg. I'll cover anything with her in it. Evolution, Road Trip, and Rush Hour 3. <laughs> sure. Go for it. All right. Um, now with the user reviews, I think I want to look at a couple of 10-star ones here as well because this is a movie where, again, forgotten about. So I think kind of let's see some positives and we'll go to the negatives. So uh, Jake Manhattan says, Great Googa Okay, this may surprise you, but this film is way better than everyone says it is. It's hilarious. It's kind of like Ghostbusters. Well, it's a lot like Ghostbusters, but who didn't like that one? I'm sick and tired of movies going down thanks to bad reviews. Hint, hint, look around at some of these. People, if you've read this far, it may already be too late to catch the next showing of Evolution. However, go see it ASAP. Dan Aykroyd alone is worth seeing this flick. In my opinion, this is one of the best of the year. That was done on the 11th of June, 2001. So, yep, we've got Hilarious, Ghostbusters a plus buzz. MIB, uh, great little movie. This is one of the best movies ever. This is by Unique Particle. I don't understand people that say something is underrated and give it seven, no rate, it higher. I love everything about Evolution. It's original, funny, great lines, and very entertaining. I used to watch this movie on VHS. I still have it on VHS and now own on DVD. Well worth every penny. So much fun and memorable. This is a really bizarre one-star review here. Uh, Weston4383 says, Sucky Suck Suck is the title. Uh, This movie was a bunch of suckiness and crap thrown into 90 minutes. First of all, it's 101 minutes, I think. Uh, And shown to an unexpecting audience that could have expected better writing from a CBS show. What's the problem with CBS shows? All right. This is when CBS was dominating in 2001. Damn, CBS. Uh, there were so many corny lines that I expected to see the rooster from Cornflake cereal come out at any minute and end the torture. Aren't they clever in their writing? <laughs> uh, 
it was a painful and excruciating 15 minutes before I left to watch Pootie Tang with a friend. This movie was not even worthy of the one that I reluctantly gave it. I love when these people sit through 15 minutes of the movie, admit in the review they didn't finish the movie, and then give it one star. I always love it when they tell you what they walked out and saw. Um, to see Pootie Tang, remember yeah, that? Tang. <laughs> I like this one here. Charles, I'm on the one star reviews here. Charles C-5. The Mystery Men of two. What's wrong with Mystery Men? Mystery Men's a great film. <laughs> Talk about underrated. You like Mystery Men? I remember thinking it was pretty okay. Not great, but I'm not, everybody's on the fence with that. You get people who think that it's the worst movie ever made, and then you get people who think it's a masterpiece. I'm sort of in the middle. Uh, I suppose one of the problems of dealing with one of these modern, i.e. digital special effects, is that people can be tricked into thinking the special effects will be so good we don't need acting. Men in Black was an inspired movie. This tries so hard to be Men in Black. Uh, the only thing is Orlando Jones is no Will Smith and David Duchovny is no Tommy Lee Jones um, also David Duchovny I'm beginning to believe that his monotone Joe Friday impersonation represents more than just a small part of his repertoire um, fair enough uh, I like it though um, an embarrassment too gene shy of viable entertainment an inept a studio film as you will ever see literally nothing works um, crap royale evolution a disgrace to movies <laughs> I just—I want that on the on the DVD. A disgrace to movies. Ronel Sal's. That was actually only written on the twenty sixth of January two thousand and twenty one. A recent one. Um, I'll, let's look at some of their other reviews here. Ronel Sal's. Uh, Apollo thirteen. Well executed. Incredible true story. Austin Powers. So stupidity. It's not. Fun. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Uh, and Troy, is so stupidity uh, a sentence? This is what's wrong with him. Troy, different but great adaptation. Yeah, that's shit. That's bullshit. Troy. That's I like movie. Troy. Troy's terrible. Um, yeah. Oh, twisted, twisted mess. Go fuck yourself, mate. Like Jesus Christ. Um, what are we doing with this movie, Colin Hilding? Well, interesting that you asked that, considering it's the last thing on this episode we have to do. Um. I, I thought that I would go into this buying it, you know, okay, this is a low buy because I, I remember enjoying this movie, seeing it multiple times, buying it at one point, but uh, not really feeling compelled to watch it. I'm going to downgrade to a rent now Aww, because boo. I feel like there are enough problems with this movie, which you've usually when you're agreeing with me on like, oh, this doesn't really work. You're agreeing with me. Yeah, it doesn't really work, but I still love it. There's a lot of stuff. And even this review would be like, yeah, you know what? It really doesn't work. Yeah, it really could have been better. So I'm actually more curious what you're going to do. Uh, oh, but I'm, I'm not changing. I'm sure you would. Yeah. Uh, but like, there's nothing wrong with this movie. Again, it's, it's perfectly enjoyable. Just go in with low expectations and, you know, expect great things out of Orlando Jones and mediocre things out of everything else. And honestly, like, I mean, I'm putting this at my number one right now. You're obviously keeping Devil Wears Prada <laughs> at number one. Good luck with that. I am. Um, <laughs> but like, I mean, it's definitely not going to end up as number one because we've got Ferris Bueller on this list. And I, I've never seen Point Break. Uh, so I don't know what my, you know, I've, I've, I've just got these weird expectations for it because it's a Patrick Swayze film, you know? <laughs> like it's yeah. kind of, Again, like third time's a charm for me trying to see why this guy's a thing. Like I, I rented Ghost from memory, so like I didn't hate Ghost, but, you know, Whoopi Goldberg was great in that movie. But uh, anyway, that, that segues beautifully in here to Point Break. I, I know a bit about this movie. Keanu Reeves is always a fun time uh, and Patrick Swayze and they remade this and apparently it was shit. So yeah, never seen it. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing something I haven't seen before. Uh, I was a big enough Bill and Ted fan that I was dying to see this movie as a kid, but it was like, you know, R rated about 
bank robbers and stuff. And I don't think I was allowed to watch it uh, until I was a teenager. Uh, when I did see it, I didn't immediately love this movie either. And I think because by the time I saw it, this style of uh, 90s action, uh, which this would I, I, you could almost say this was the the prototype for the Michael Bay style action movie. Uh, it had sort of grown old by the time I saw this, but it's one of these things that that I've rewatched a few times over the years, and every time I've watched it, I'm like, wow, that movie gets better and better and better. Uh, it's developed a massive cult following probably before the Keanu Reeves Renaissance has happened. Uh, this has suddenly become, I think the movie Hot Fuzz had a lot to do with that too. Hot Fuzz really embraced all the cliches of the 90s action movies and actually has a moment where they pay homage to Point Break and even show clips of Point Break, the characters watching Point Break, like, oh, we need to emulate it like this. So I think that has a lot to do with it too. Uh, but this is just a fun movie and you will finally get Patrick Swayze because Patrick Swayze I'm not going to say he made the wrong choice in his career because the right choice was to cater to the female fans. But if you want to see how Patrick Swayze can cater to a male audience, like Point Break is it. He is playing like a guy's guy action star in this movie. And Keanu Reeves, this was his first real action film, period. I mean, it was his first big starring role at all. I mean, he had done Bill and Ted and coming right off of Bill and Ted, he got this movie. Uh, so it's great. This is the 30th anniversary. It's great that I'm going to have a movie that I'm sure Jamie's going to make an appearance on because we're watching and talking about Keanu Reeves. Uh, and I'll even have some some slightly positive comments to say about the new Point Break movie, which uh, is definitely not great, but uh, it's not as bad as a lot of people say it is. Okay. Well, maybe if I like it, I'll watch it. Who knows? But uh, that's next week. And then following that, Ferris Bueller's Day Off featuring special guest. Stay tuned. Matthew Broderick joins us for three hours. <laughs> Amy Brenneman. <laughs> uh, Tom Fullery with Amy Brenneman featuring <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off Recap. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this. I've enjoyed this. By Evolution. Go and see it. Did you? How did you watch this? Is it on a streaming service or? Yeah, we have so many scene points through the Cineplex store because we haven't been able to go to a movie in a year that we're just throwing them anytime we don't want to watch something. If it's on the Cineplex store, let's waste 400 points. Wow. So I, I literally use, rented it. I use my points uh, for Montana's. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I can't get a steak. So, anyway, we know how you feel about steak, Colin. Yeah. Uh, tune in next week. Looking forward to Point Break. In the meantime, my name is Greg Googamooga, and there's always time for lubricant. And my name is Colin Hilding. Took some chemistry in high school. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.